What's going on, everybody? Just a couple of things I wanted to talk about before I get rolling with this episode. Um, just a couple of things that I've been I've been checking out. So I love the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. They do the passport every summer, and I'm sure most people are familiar with it. I'm guessing most people have already picked up their passport, but I know you have to like mid-August to fill those out. I just think it was really cool uh, just seeing people all over the place getting these things uh, stickered up and stamped. I know you can you can get like a membership, I think, to like their in-buy program, uh, get you some special things for like the festivals, beer under glass and, and um, uh, faux bad things that the Brewers Guild puts on. I just think it's a really cool program. And I love to encourage people to kind of take these like mini road trips or Uber trips, however you want to attack it. But so many people are going to so many more breweries and trying out so many more things and hopefully discovering new things. I just want to give kudos to the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild for doing some awesome program like this every year. Uh, the other thing is coming up at, at the end of July, uh, that ties into this episode, um, the windmill anniversary party for four years is coming up. So Justin Verberg and uh, the whole crew from windmill, they're putting on their, their big, their big festival. So they're going to have a bunch of breweries coming out there. They had a bunch of uh, people say yes and want to bring beer out to them because they've built quite the following over the last few years. So you can see uh, at least I know for sure triptych. I think we'll be out there 18th street, three Floyds, Burnham, devil's trumpet, misbehaving meads, all these Indiana guys. Uh, what a great scene they got out there now. And then you're looking at Hailstorm and illuminated new over falls, octopi off square, St. Arant, transient, trim tab vitamin c and wild rose and i think they have a bunch more that maybe they haven't even announced yet um but that's going to be a great fest i think the tickets are still available they have a vip i don't know there's no vip session i believe from what he told me so you'll have uh i think like five hours or something starting at 11 a.m to drink beer in the park uh, from all these different breweries it's 35 bucks to get you in and you get like unlimited tastings and all that uh, so they're going to have a couple food trucks, there'll be games, all kinds of cool stuff to do. So I definitely check that out. It's going to be on a Saturday, July 27th. Uh, and then for me, just uh, follow me on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, it's at Average Joe's Beer Podcast. Uh, the best thing you can do is leave me a review on iTunes. That's always the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. Just go there. I mean, if you like it, give it five stars. That's definitely the best way to benefit the podcast. But the more reviews you leave, the more it pushes it up iTunes and gets it to more people's ears. So that's always appreciated. Um, but today's episode uh, was going to was a collab day brew episode anthony benjamin over at triptych reached out to me last month and he said windmill was coming down and i wanted to do something else with anthony had such a blast down triptych last time i was there so he uh set this up to have them come in and they did a uh well, i'll let you listen to the episode to see what they brewed together but it involved a lot of silk almond milk so here's the episode no pressure that's right all right we're rolling we're rolling for real now so collab brew day, these are I know, I know like we I, I said something like brew days are awesome or something. And Anthony's like, mm, not when you're doing it by yourself, but collab brew days are fun, right? Yeah, collab <laughs> brew days are great because there generally isn't a lot of work that gets done. It's mostly drinking and talking, and brewing also gets done. Yeah, drinking RO water. It's a <laughs> it's a chance to socialize and talk about stuff and compare processes and learn new things. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's looking at my Instagram at all will know that I'm at Triptych uh, Triptych Brewing right now down in Savoy, Illinois, and got the special bonus treat of the Windmill Boys from Dyer, Indiana up here too. Represent down here too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so what's up, guys? What are you guys? Uh, what are we brewing today? We're making a horchata inspired milkshake IPA. 
How does this? How does this happen? Like, what, you guys just run into each other at some point, and we're like, "Hey, let's do stuff." Or fests are really good for socializing and things like that. So that's yeah. generally where these things spring from: is meeting up at various brew fests. I believe this was this from was from last microphone microphone fest. Yep. Mikey and I had talked about it a bit, and uh, we had talked before that too about trying to do something. And it, I think our two breweries have been on each other's radar for a long time. Um, and I think it was finally just figuring out the timing of it and, and realizing that we're, that we we're had a lot in common. Away yeah. We both like memes. Yeah. Anthony and, and I and both come from a tech background. Yeah. And we like drinking beer. That, that means, yeah, obviously it made like a really obvious link would be the meme thing, right? We're brewing a beer in the memery. You guys are the memes and dreams. You guys are the, are the dank meme. Yeah. Get conflated so often by the beer nerd. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't our intent, but so so with this one, do you go with like a, a common name? Do you go with like a meme? A meme? I don't think we came up with a name. We did not, yeah, we didn't even propose That's, anything. Well, we, we, got, we got some time on these microphones. We'll figure it out. What does yeah. Mike want to call on it? On the way down here, I think we came up with when memes collide. When That's a good one. Collide. I like and then that. we could do a double version. Did you guys check untapped. Power meme five thousand when memes collide. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> See, boom, done. That's Power a good one. Meme that's times. how this happens. Yeah, that's a good one. Super easy, right? I walked into a pallet full of uh, uh, coconut milk. <laughs> no, <laughs> or, uh, it's almond, almond milk. milk. Yeah. Almond milk. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we were thinking that, um, I don't know, almonds and, and horchata are, are a thing in some variants, I guess. And I mean, this is this is a classic, or uh, for our two breweries, more classic hazy grain bill with lactose and then some uh, rice and almond milk. <laughs> What's the rice bring to it? I mean, I think the times that Windmill has used rice and Imperial IPAs, I mean, I think they like to finish a little bit more. I mean, I think they can chime in more. Yeah, that, it's, that came it, from Mikey. It lends kind of a nice milky sweetness. Like we say, it's we're, sometimes we're aiming for kind of the uh, the taste of that milk at the bottom of a cereal bowl mm-hmm. is uh, what we're using the rice for, and it, it comes out pretty nicely. Oh, yeah, and just... Uh, to keep everybody updated. You'll hear some multiple voices, I'm sure, during this recording. But so right now, Anthony and, and I got Justin here from Windmill and then Anthony from uh, Triptych. So we know what we got. Mikey in the house. Pete, right? Pete Mike, and Pete, and Zach. Zach. From Windmill. Oh, the, windmill, the Windmill boys. How's the trip up? It was a beautiful ride down. It was actually down. nice and sunny. It's yeah, it's now. down. I guess yeah. we're going south. But I-57 is it's yeah. very she nice and quiet and it's really picturesque. Quiet. Uh-huh. Nice... Uh, wind turbines on the side occasionally and yeah not a lot of traffic did did somebody forget beef jerky somebody forgot beef jerky so we were uh we were downgraded to peanuts and water Mm. but you know whatever i mean it should happen throw on a podcast and and rip take a nap it was great what podcast does a group of men listen to while they're while they're rolling down there it is i like that nicely done that's the brewery ambiance right there yeah yeah, besides the, the nice wine of the three-phase pumps, you can <laughs> kind of go in the background, too. Um, yeah, podcast-wise, I don't know. It's such an eclectic mix. I think we listened to Adam Carolla on the way down. I don't know what we'll listen to on the way back. Yeah, he just, well, all you guys, no, well, Mikey drove by himself then. That's right, right? I believe he was chauffeured oh, here. He was chauffeured here. <laughs> he was to get dropped off. Yeah. Take I, the most expensive Uber It ever, was a very like. expensive two-hour Uber. Yeah, no. uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, no, rinse there. Oh yeah, look at that. Look at him work that thing. Yeah, I saw him wandering around in the old by the old uh, blacks yeah. across the street. We've Mike. actually had uh, we've had it happen a number of times 
where someone's never been here before and they're like kind of came hanging out or whatever. They go over to the old brewery and no Still. one's over there. Where's everybody? How do they brew out of this place? <laughs> <laughs> We've had like technicians stop for the canning line. The tanks? And they go over there and look in the window. There's no canning line here. This has to be a joke. You do have good <laughs> signage and the windows are also very nice. Yeah, thanks. And now we got Mikey uh, popping on into another microphone as he pours himself. What do we we got the double dry hopped cashmere single rail series from uh, from Jeff and the, the folks at Narrow Gauge. Uh, yeah, last time I was me. here, you, some of your guys were coming back from Narrow Gauge back in October. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we we run into Jeff a lot. We talk to him about things. I think we're big fans. Yeah, I mean, just making good shit. He makes some damn damn fine things. So we were talking about the collab. So how did you guys just, uh, just got to talking at the, was it Microphones Fest that you were like? Oh. Yeah, uh, we always trade jokes between each other because uh, we both do meme beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, that coerced our little relationship into being what it is today. And, uh, you know, we've been talking for the past couple of months about doing something. And uh, we just started talking. And uh, we had a lot of really crazy ideas um, and I think Wachata sounded like the most sane and doable out of all of them. <laughs> so for like a peek behind the curtain of that, like, th- does that just start with like a quick conversation and then follow up with like some text messages or like Facebook messages? And then, and then you start throwing shit at the wall. Are you, are you throwing like idea, like horchata beer? Uh, we had a lot of ideas you know, that yeah. were thrown around. I think it started as a, bo- as like a booty call to be honest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you willing you, to drive two hours do? for me, yeah. baby? <laughs> I'll make you, you a do? meme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So you just throw out some ideas, and then finally, you're like, yeah, Horchata makes the most. Like, what were some of the other ones that that didn't make the cut? Like, you remember? I, mean, I, I would have to look some, at my phone right now. We can't now. tell them, tell you all of no, them. No, no, we, we might want to use them. We might use them, use them at windmill. Yeah, for power meme five thousand. Yeah, I mean, I think when you start something like this. You're just shooting the moon, so you're like, oh, let's, yeah, you know, let's make an imperial stout that we're gonna boil for 26 hours, and <laughs> and then you realize Put like some you cops don't in the brewery for 26 yeah. hours, yeah. I mean, didn't outer range do that with microphone? Yeah, they stole our idea. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's funny that it's funny that Mike is Mike is kind of like the collab king of the Chicago area, and he spawned a, a collab from you guys, like Contagious. He made you guys do a collab, basically by hosting yeah. a festival. I think like, he was the Mike, first to mention it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was because um, because of that meme overlap. And I think, but Mike is like a huge enabler like that. He's totally. like, a, I've met more people pouring at that fest than I probably met in a year of doing anything else. I yeah, mean, same. Uh, Mike actually sent us uh, an email one time, and he's uh, good friends with the guys over at 1840 in Wisconsin, and um, they basically reached out to him, and they're like, hey, you know, we're trying to do really cool stuff. Who should we collab with? And uh, Mike actually sent them our way. We're uh, still planning a little something, but, you know, Mike really is an enabler in, in that aspect of getting good people together to do cool things. So that that is really cool. Yeah, it's something that even for me on the consumer side, he's he's kind of spawned some some of that same for me. Like I, I met Anthony there for the first time two years ago. It smells like a beer fest. I met Chad over at Little Beaver, same way. And it's like these breweries that you're kind of hearing things about, but then like he kind of puts puts it all together, and he's kind of discovering some of these breweries for consumers, and then that collab leads to people you know seeking out some of these beers, especially with the local ones and. You know, especially just just location-wise for you, Anthony. Like I had already heard of you guys before that because you guys have been well established. But 
But, uh, you know, you guys are so far down here. Sometimes there's still running into Chicago people that just haven't heard of you yet. Oh, yeah. And I think we also, I mean, for the first year or two or three, I mean, we were making beer and we were doing things, but it was in a real classic old school kind of way. I mean, pale ales and, and you know, normal beer. And then we kind of fell into this hazy IPA and now lately like pastry stouts and sours and, and all this other stuff. So, although I still like the lager, I mean, Oh, I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking a lot of lager. So then, then you, yeah, you just had uh, re remember camp Wakanda hit, hit a yeah, bunch of stores out there. Right. Uh, so we pretty, haven't opened that popular. yet this morning, but we can open one of those. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I was, I've always 13% been not percent Imperial style. <laughs> I'm very intrigued by the name <laughs> before <laughs> re remember it. Yeah. So last year we brewed, uh, a beer called Remember Camp Wakanda and it was a marshmallow inspired like a marshmallow s'mores inspired stout and we put like a bunch of shit into the beer like you know near trailing into fermentation uh, it was also during the great it's still going on the great vanilla bean crisis where <laughs> yeah where any bean you get is a good bean by virtue of getting a bean yep. but usually it has like <laughs> shitty you know who knows what's growing on it and so this actually um we, you know, we brewed the beer, we aged the beer, we canned the beer. Everything's mostly fine for a while. And then after a while, like, the cans start, like, not exploding, but just turning. And it was what basically inspired us to get the PCR system set up because we couldn't check to see, like, what had hijacked with the vanilla beans and stuff. And so it was, like, our first recall of a beer. And uh, so then when we brewed it again, I was like, well, I want to do over. And so we changed a lot of the processes. We also made it much stronger, so the alcohol would help insulate you from some of that. But also, we have PCR testing now. So, yeah. can you can you go deeper on PCR? Um, I know there's well, so we have like a what the fuck is PCR? Yeah, testing? so we have like a super cheap, uh, well, super cheap, an entry level uh, PCR. <laughs> yeah, what's relative here? <laughs> yeah, so it's like uh, you know, s- relative entry level is like you know twelve thousand, thirteen thousand oh, bucks, Christ. and um, it is entry like entry level. Yeah. <laughs> All the reagents and everything are pre-mixed, and it has, like, an easy indicating thing. So you, like, basically do all these chemical processes. You put it in a thermocycler. A thermocycler amplifies DNA, and then later you interpret it on this, like, little cassette. It looks like a pregnancy test, and if you have two lines, that's bad. That's positive. And if you have one <laughs> line, it's, it's fine. What's the smiley face mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you have a smiley face, you need to retest it. Fuck! Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, it's better than guessing. We didn't have anything before that. Um, but as you get more involved in PCR, I mean, you can get much more, you would need a person to do that. We don't have a dedicated lab person. So. Okay. Um, but for a brewery of our size, we have 5,000 barrels a year is with, a P- with invisible Sentinel, uh, this PCR system is pretty good. Yeah. So instead of the pregnancy test thing, can you get like a, like the eight ball? <laughs> shake it so reply hazy is this is this beer gonna reply hazy yeah. is this beer again later be, yeah is this beer gonna be recalled shake 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 yeah so what Almost what, what does pcr stand for anyone is uh poly like poly uh chain poly okay. something chain it's reaction over my head yeah okay. it's like this it's like a dna it just matches segments of dna and so okay. it tests for any of the things this thing can test for like hop resistant lactobacillus and pediococcus and Bertanomyces. And then you can test for diastaticus, which is a yeast that makes cans explode. Uh, but one of our house yeasts is that yeast. So we just don't test for that. Well, why wouldn't you want your cans to explode? I, I know. That's the cool thing. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> it's so exciting. I like, yeah. I like grenades. Why not? It, well, it's, it's very, very fitting that you mentioned that because I was just thinking back to, I told you on the way up here, my, my two hour drive uh, down yonder was, I was listening to the episode we recorded in October, and we talked a bunch about that. And even afterwards, 
we spoke about uh, uh, after the show we recorded, we hung out and you had this, the sausage fest and beer party. And we talked a bunch about uh, how we, how you guys are kind of monitoring over time how all of your cans basically are doing. So you're one of the people I think is at the forefront in the whole craft beer community in Illinois is of actually. I want to make sure checking. That we, <laughs> uh, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants that do much more than we do. So I mean, Distill and Half Acre is another great example. Uh, we have buddies uh, that work at Half Acre, and and to see like their can library and their package library and making and they're revisiting cans and they're they're keeping a good monitor on that and they actually are informing us of what to do we did definitely did not come up with any of these ideas ourselves and uh when you go into half acre and you see such a meticulously organized uh library of all the SKUs, i mean that that inspires us to do the same thing for us because before we just had like this big pile of cans and if there was a problem or someone reported a suspected problem we're just like spending two hours finding the cans in the big pile and after we went up to half acre, like, man, we should, you could organize this. It could look a lot better and it could, you could actually be able to get this stuff out of here. And, uh, and the same thing with invisible Sentinel and the PCR stuff to still started that before we did. And, and, uh, you know, the bigger breweries in Illinois, I think we're in a really great con- place where all these breweries are helping other breweries and, and that collaboration. And I think I mentioned on the podcast that last time was our collaborations are focused on. Like talking to people where we think there's going to be like an equal exchange of information and we think it's going to be something useful for both of us. And so like the windmill collaboration was a great example of that. I mean, we've been looking up to a lot of the things they've been doing for years and years. And so to have them here and have them like just, you know, captive audience to talk to them about and, you know, figure out like what they're doing with, you know, vanilla or what they're doing with like fruit or what they're doing with, you know, keg cleaning i mean there's just a number of things you'll talk <laughs> uh, we're a little behind about. you on <laughs> a little behind the what boots department. are you guys wearing <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> who, who do you wear yeah, yeah. Yeah. the uh the muck the muck chore boots the cool x xt's those Boom. are nice i have uh my first hole in my boots again from like a three-month-old pair of boots so that we're, sucks we got to upgrade you to the <laughs> so mucks that sucks. <laughs> well that's that's one of the most interesting <laughs> things for me like as from like as a non-brewer and a non-real you know i'm not part of the production side of any any brewing so it's fun to kind of see you guys all just get together and walk around i just kind of fly on the wall and followed you guys around a little bit and you guys had in-depth conversation from everything from the super sack you know fucking country mall to grain gotta love them super sacks yeah yeah right (laughs) they hang real nice (laughs) (laughs) they hang so nice so i mean like what is it like for you guys when you you guys come from from that that small piece of of indiana dire indiana and you, you know you work with what you guys have and to see like something like this mm. it's it's pretty uh pr- it's inspiring uh really like you come into a place like this and they build out like this beautiful facility here and like the, the machinery and everything is is oodles above what we have <laughs> i couldn't think of a better superlative <laughs> I, <like it. laughs> I mean that was terrible but uh it, it, it's it's impressive so it, it definitely gives us something to work towards you know yeah. and it's like it you don't you don't need a facility like this to make good beer yeah exactly uh, and but it helps <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and to yeah. do it consistently and yeah. efficiently um and just that's why collabs are so cool because you can sit and talk about things you do that are similar but it's like oh they do just this one little thing different and it saves them you know five percent and in ingredients cost or something like that and like that stuff adds up over time and uh it, it can make a huge difference i think one of the biggest things too is uh kind of keeping our eyes on the future as well um 
anything bigger than what we're doing right now is uncharted territory, essentially. So to see other people doing it successfully and see how they do it really helps give us an idea of what we're going to do and how we're going to do it when we when we finally need to you know cross that bridge. Yeah, the, the genuine like uh, the the realness and the excitement of the conversations that I've seen so far between you guys is is it's so cool to see like that you guys are genuinely like interested. Like, how much was that? Like, wh- how are you running that? Like, how did you put the piece set together? You know, because this is compared to what you guys are doing at Windmill, right? Like, this is like super more all auto- automated, like as in graining in and the way that the mill works and. That kind of thing, right? I mean, they have a mechanical arm that stirs their grain, and I have two arms yeah. that stir. Yeah, two great grain. arms. We have a mic. <laughs> it, yeah. It's, but things like that are, you know, to help with your consistency and efficiency. And, yeah. You, know, you don't need Mike standing up there sweating and stirring and stuff like that. And where well, it's just going to the mill. I mean, uh, there's there's quality concerns that we have even before our ingredients become beer. So just with. Uh, the grain that we have that we get from our grain supplier. Uh, I have serious concerns about um, how consistent everything is and to see, you know, they're uh, at, here at Triptych, they're milling everything on their own and we get all of our stuff pre-milled. So, and we um, pay for that and lovely we pay privilege for it. of yeah, having to charge, to right? still be yeah. a little bit worried about it, which is the bad thing. Um, but it's really nice to kind of just get a set of eyes and experience that's already been down this road for you know, years. Then to sit and talk with Anthony and, oh, we went through this mill and this mill and this mill and we had this problem with that one and, you know, that kind of thing where we're like, oh, all right, cool. And you, then you don't make those same mistakes or whatever and you learn that from that. That's another really great example. Like um, when we first started, I think I, I might have mentioned this also before on the other podcast was like when Just we were looking. nobody listened to that All one. right, cool. <laughs> yeah, when we were looking at things and trying to figure out what we are going to do, Pipeworks was just getting started and they were starting on like a three and a half barrel system and they made all these things and slap shot was going. I mean, there's all these things that seemed like I should get Pete for this conversation. He used to, uh, he used to be the packaging manager over at Pipeworks. There you go. Oh shit. So yeah, I mean, there was just like, it was all the stuff that made it look, you know, you're like, man, you know, look what they're doing. This is, and you kind of use that as like your motivation and your, um, and they had kind of done some of the legwork for you. And so for us, I mean, we're happy to try to pay that forward with anybody else that's trying to do anything remotely similar and so i don't know we're happy to tell them about our mills and the bad experiences we've had with bad ones and the good experiences we've had with good well, there, ones. there was like a portion of this morning that was like it looked like almost like a guided tour <laughs> we, you know, we're, all, we're all walking in single file lines like to different areas of the brewery um and i just remember being at windmill and like it's like one space. It's just, you're, right, you're, you're, you're in the whole brewery. Like that's it. There's Luther over there. There's our tanks. Yep. And there's our. What, do you guys have like the dairy? The old like dairy. Yep. Type? Same same system still. Yep. yep. Oh, right. Yeah. That was you guys was like a repurposed dairy. Yep. Straight down from Wisconsin. Right. Yep. And then uh, you know, electric heating elements and a lot of manual bag loading and stirring and all that stuff. And it's done really well for us, but. You know, yeah, seeing something like this is like okay, that, that could make sense. Yet the conversations don't reflect that between watching you interact with Anthony and you know, and, and vice versa. Trust like me, I'm like a raccoon. I am just intrigued by shiny things. Every so <laughs> everything here, I'm like, wow. Find that all <laughs> brewers are, which I think is beautiful. <laughs> Actually, Anthony said something last time we, we sat down talking about. Uh, he was talking about, you know, investing. You know. He said, I don't, I'm not sitting down writing, my, writing myself checks. I'm, I'm investing it back into equipment. So it's like something that 
he's not worried about going to the Bahamas or living living this crazy life. He's, he's the money that we make off these beers goes back into making more of these beers. Uh, so yeah, I mean that you you talked about that at length. You know, saying like that the money goes back in. So like you buy all these toys. And it, like you guys are, what you said you had a bunch of brew houses. Yeah, like, so over this the is years, yeah so. this is like the sixth time we've had a brew house. But we started Ooh. so ultimately small. Um, you know, like that three barrel size, and then we had, yeah, I mean, we started with a three barrel size. I'm doing finger guns right now. We yeah. used to have a two. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. So we, we just like sold our two barrel system last week. Finally, it's been sitting gathering dust for ages. I, we still <laughs> have ours. Is I know. I almost had a hard time parting with it. It was just is that like Chris. That's why it? I haven't gotten rid of ours. Who? Yeah, who Chris it? Knight. Yeah. 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 My dude, yep. Nice. That 450 in the in there. That's compliments of him. Oh, nice. He's a so that means our gentleman. Jeremy went down there too with them. Yeah, yeah. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, our old system is sitting in a in a barn uh, south of here somewhere because I'm I'm too nostalgic to part with it. So we have what size was that? It was a three was three and a half, and it had like two. Uh, boil kettles and then two Blickman boiler maker mash ladder tons. Is that like the OG like psycho brew style yep. type? Okay. And that was off of the pipe. What I saw Pipeworks doing, and we I was like, okay, we could do something like that. We basically have the exact same setup. Well, that was why we wanted to sell it though, is we wanted to kind of pass it on because that that system has gotten One Trick Pony off the ground. I think Transient brewed on that system. Yeah, I mean it got That's us off the ground. Ever. So like, let's just let's pass it on. You know, it was, it's a great little system. It's been through a lot of good hands. Yeah, yours has a lot more. Should uh, be called State Farm. Prodigious uh, <laughs> parentage. That's some rich history. Of. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we had another seven barrel system that's over at, I think most of that's over at White Oak right now in Bloomington. And then we had a, we had various pieces and parts and various configurations of all the systems where you got separate mash louder tone, separate boil kettle, and separate everything. And then we had a 15 barrel system that went to some new brewery in like Ohio or Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have this brew system. Yeah, it's, it's just constantly an impressive one. It's beautiful. Y- yeah, thanks. It's I think now a year later from when we last well more is it less than a year later than when we last talked. Yeah, October. We we did October last year. Um, mm-hmm. We are really comfortable in the skin of what's going on in this facility. I mean, this uh, we are really happy with how everything has turned out. I mean, yeah, I think things are just like the beer that's been coming out. More importantly, has been phenomenal. So thanks. you get you know. <laughs> It's not like oh you guys are just getting better every time, but like you guys were always such such a high level beer coming out. But I know you went through some some things of like you know where you were able to kind of come off and let some other people learn, and then also jump back on again, you know, yeah. and kind of have to touch everything to assure quality and all that. And now I'm guessing you've got some guys cross trained after the last time I talked to you. Yeah, and that's a big part of how I uh, justified to my wife all these like lab toys and and uh, diagnostic equipment is like, oh man, now everybody can do exactly everything the same way I do it, and now you don't have to worry about me. I don't have to be there as much. I can go on vacation, and I have gone on vacation. It's probably a good thing. About a month ago, I went to the UK for two weeks and drank. You know, uh, I English followed. beers. I yeah. followed. I drank a shit ton of English beer and tried to figure out if English beer was going to be something that we would go back into. We, were, we used to brew a ton of English beer, inspired beers, and, you know, kind of kind of got flooded by hazy beer and pastry stouts. I don't know. What's your, what do you guys think you're most... What do you spend most of your time making right now? Oh, uh, hazy IPAs. It's hazy. Yeah. It's yeah. You it's see what that, that but enthusiasm? But what, but what uh, would you like to spend your time making? Uh, saisons and pilsners all oh, day. Yeah, definitely. Fucking all beer to guard. Um, <laughs> yes. Mixed culture, fucking wine barrel, farmhouses all day. Uh, Kavik. 
I'd fucking love to spend more time on that. Oh, we should talk about that later. I've done a mixed, lot with Mixed that. culture is... I have an Imperial is, Stout in one of the barrels that used Kubikis. Oh, What'd really? you use? Hornendal? Yeah. Nice. Well, is, there, is there three of them? Is there like the... Like no, there's like a dozen of them. There's, well, okay. just to like... Is it maybe just Omega has three yes. run, runs of it? Like, there's, uh, I believe... Uh, like they Hothead have and... Oslo, uh, Hornendal, Voss... Um, and then there's, uh, if you want to branch out with uh, stuff like uh, Richard Price and Escarpment Laboratories, there's uh, Simonatus, Our, I believe. Like Omega clean theirs out just a single um, Saccharomyces cultures. And then the like Escarpment and some of the other ones have like still mixed cultures of the other, like the stuff that's in, like in a true Norwegian farmhouse. Yeah, it's like yeah. sour bacteria and other shit, like other non sacrament a, a literal culture essentially yeah. so uh like you said I, I believe omega just offers the single strain of what they've isolated this culture to be most known as and kind yeah. of just made three different strains out of those but uh yeah there, there's like a escarpment labs and there's maniacal yeast laboratories out in massachusetts i think a lot of brewers Maine, i'm sorry a lot of brewers joke that uh there's this facebook group called milk the funk and it ought to be called uh milk the kavik because yeah, that's what it's become basically now <laughs> am, I com- am i conflating yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of like the high actually. high temperature fermenting yeast is no it, that's is what it is, is yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. i'm not conflating that's this with okay no, nope, it's the same stuff. So, uh, Kavik is kind of weird in uh, the sense of celebration and festivities. Uh, it is most unlike any other beer style I've ever seen, solely based upon this fact. is uh, It ferments very hot, or can ferment very hot, and uh, can ferment very fast. So, um, back in the days of lore, or I'm sorry, the days of yore. yore. I'm so stupid, man. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> back in the lore of yore. <laughs> Um, I was thinking about Star Trek. <laughs> they would uh, basically uh, brew in the countryside, like in, in, in a farmhouse, little brewery. Um, and people from different villages would come and uh, give their yeast stick or a, a ring of uh, wood that's basically got this culture, you know, uh, dried into it. And if you've ever heard the, the, the tales of the magic stick, um, this is very... 50 cent, right? It, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, That's yeah. Right. Exactly. Am I wrong? <laughs> yes, no. no. Okay. It's your birthday. <laughs> um, it's getting hot in here. They would basically brew one day, uh, pitch east into it, go to the next neighboring village, um, take their cake, stick, whatever, and uh, throw it into the next beer, and they would kind of have a little party of that with the still beer of the day previous, and then on the third day, when you're drinking the second breweries or second beer makers beer, on the third day, the first beer maker already has carbonated liquid because it ferments so fast and conditions so fast. So there's basically like a a little three day, especially because it was like a lot lower alcohol. Yeah, and it was like you know three percent like alcohol, 3%, so it can, yeah, yeah ferment out <laughs> like a table day. beer. To yeah, have essentially, yeah, like a second runnings. I'm sorry. Did I just stall that conversation? <laughs> I thought you were still going. No, no, no. Like, that's it. That's I like it. you were still rolling. I, just didn't, I don't think their efficiency I abruptly was probably stopped. that low that they could do a second runnings. No? <laughs> <laughs> they probably yeah. weren't aware of the amylase activity back then. No? It wasn't, it wasn't part of the Well, vocab- they used to vocab- spit in it, so <laughs> they had it. It was helpful? It was just, what was the point of that? Well, chicha, uh, if you ever heard of chicha beer, Off Color does... Um, a chicha-inspired beer where they John, basically... That sounds like John Rappler would do something like that. <laughs> they... Yeah, they yeah. Uh, in your mouth, you have uh, like amylase, which is an enzyme that will break down 
sugars to be very, very simple so yeast okay. can eat it very easily. So um, your normal beer would just stop fermenting with a lot of residual sweetness. But if you spit into it and give it amylase, it'll start chewing down, you know, literally. Yeah, the not, not the pun. Cleaves <laughs> the complex sugars into more easily digestible sugars yeah. from the yeast because yeast aren't super smart. Right, right. So it could basically dry it with the help of amylase. It can really dry out a beer and get it uh, really low in sugar content. Going back to that organic chemistry. Yep. Yeah. Better get your uh, high school books out here. <laughs> <laughs> so for you guys, I don't even remember when we did our episode, which was even longer ago than Anthony and I sat down. I can't remember if I, we talked a little at all at length about your guys. I know we talked about your guys' beginnings as Windmill, but, but when you guys first started Windmill, do you have that same similar story to a lot of these guys that like you started out making more classic styles or did you guys you know because obviously you guys are known for like the meme series you guys are known for we kind of have a similar path of yeah, success I absolutely think we, we were trying not to be so IPA focused when we opened we were trying to do a little bit more like on the Belgian side of things um, which is kind of more like a corridor kind of success too where they wanted to be more this like Belgian forward brewery and then they just the hazies just like then Roger happened. Yeah, and then Roger They're happened. They're opening up another Belgian-style brewery. Oh, <laughs> really? Because Corridor wasn't Belgian enough. And dry hop. And then... <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think I saw on Facebook this morning was, I think, the anniversary of us milling in our first batch of Galactose. Oh, Which was our right. milk yep, stout, yep, yep. which was the first batch of beer we ever brewed. Your unshaved face. My unshaved face. Oh, which I'm sorry, I've your shaved face. Or shaved face. Wow. I'm now unshaved I'm just face. losing it right now. I've I'm sorry. I've fully assimilated into brewer culture <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so... It Wild does not mean sour. Wild does not mean sour. <laughs> it's a great right. shirt, by the way. It's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, much love. There for goes you. another John Laffler name drop. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> there he is, off color on the back, right? Doesn't it say like <laughs> the hill says, you uh, die? Some hills you die on, or something? Yeah, yeah some hills you die on. I think. <laughs> yeah, J- Jake, o- Jake Edwards over at Lake Zurich. I saw him wearing that shirt the other day, and I, I fell in love. It's a great shirt, yeah. but yeah, that that was sort of our starting thing with uh, we you know we had a red ale. And then we had a Belgian wheat, and then we did a kind of started dabbling in a little bit more hop forward beers with the black IPA. <laughs> that was in black IPA. The Cascadian Dark Ale. Is we called it a black to? IPA. <laughs> and then we did a uh, Belgian double IPA, like an all citra Belgian double IPA, which kind of, yeah, that, that sort of got us a little that, bit of notoriety. We only have that citra back right now, right? Yeah, exactly. Back oh, when it was man, like $12 a pound, a pound yeah. or something like that. Now we're excited when we can buy it for $30 a pound yeah, spot. Again, another conversation today that I just I just took in and enjoyed. Just to, it, it just I just think people don't understand. I know I know a lot of the consumers aren't going to care whether whether uh, they really know, really should cuz all paying, of their favorite beers are about to go like oh, exactly. Yeah. We were, we, exactly what you're saying, Mike. Like, like I, I know there's like a fine line like we don't want to offend people, we don't want to talk about the consumer, but but I think I think some of them will appreciate when they hear that. I think some of them do take the education well when you're like, when you explain that like why am I paying $20 for four pack? Well, I'm like that's your choice first of all, but also I don't want to name they're, not going to name the brewery, the, but a well known like uh, Hazy IPA Brewery in Chicago recently like raised four-pack prices on a bunch of their Hazy IPAs. <gasps> and uh, How dare you? The first thing you see in all of like the groups is just like, 
oh man, I was buying it before. It was a fucking bargain, and I could I was buying just it. Just paying twelve bucks a four pack for yeah, this exactly. shit. And now I'm now you know at seven, like seventeen ninety nine. I'm not gonna. It's not yeah, a good value to me anymore. The first assumption is always greed for that. That's too, exactly what they said. Like, yeah, they, they make a limited number because they know it's gonna drive demand. Right. It's like now it's they literally only have a system that can make that much beer, and they have so many accounts they have to get that beer to. And no, I mean, you know, it, it's I think people, I think on the brewing side and like the production side and the and the owners, I think sometimes they don't feel comfortable talking about it publicly or you know they don't want to drive you know to turn anybody off and and the consumers sometimes they don't want to listen they don't want to listen to it you know but there is a good faction of people that tend to want to hear some of the education they, they, well, they, now that they everybody do. knows i got a new car everybody's going to assume it was i was Thank you joking that was a joke <laughs> that was a joke <laughs> i mean i think greedy bastards for us email. for us we basically i mean we have a lot of legacy pricing that we uh are reticent to change even as prices of everything go up so, I mean, right now, the political climate has changed the pricing of aluminum cans. It's changed the pricing of aluminum lids. Yep. It's changed the pricing of new tanks because most of that tanks are, you know, manufactured in China. From America. Well, the yeah. cost of diesel, just yeah. alone right there, any kind of exporting. Exactly. And so we absorb those as much as we can, but we also look at, you know, the bigger picture we can't continue to absorb. And I assume this unnamed brewery in Chicago also was looking at the bigger picture of, you know, Hey, like we've absorbed this for a few years now, and it's not sustainable, especially yeah. if it's not if you don't foresee it going down in the near future. Because you can absorb bumps sometimes, but if you if yeah. you are forecasting that to not go down, it's like all right, then something has to change in order for us to keep the doors open, keep the lights on. Because at the end of the day, these are businesses, and we all have like a certain amount of. I mean, aside from the family obligations that we all have to provide for our families, and we also probably at least at Triptych, I mean, we have banks that are backing us. I mean, we have like other stuff that we have to also kind of keep our uh, eye on and make sure that we're not, you know, overextending just in the case of trying to keep a 899 16 ounce four pack out there. Mm-hmm. I love 899 like 16 ounce four pack. That's natter day prices uh, right but, there. Man. You know, and, and we recently had a logger that we launched and I wanted to do it in six packs at 799 16 ounce cans and we just oh, couldn't oh, that would be insane could not what beer make it is happen. that yeah it's where called, can i get that at it's a lager called no big deal it's can like we, hell can we open one of those yeah next? absolutely let's, we can uh, it's hell inspired that. and ultimately we had to just uh come back down to a four pack because we just could not make the the metrics and like hey mm-hmm. like basically you're giving it away yeah i mean there's a lot of packaging costs aside from you can yell the, at him if you want I about fruit basket i want some fruit basket so i mean I'm I good. think that that's ultimately good. is going to become. You're going to get the puree. That's fine. <laughs> I've had it already, so I think I poured a little too much. I'm sorry. You, you are so unbelievable. Mind. I'm going to be fine. Jesus Christ, Michael. Um, <laughs> Something that scares me a lot in in uh, the aspect of the ag market going on right now is um. There are. Uh, I don't feel that I should withhold this because they're so big and out in the market. Um, breweries like Revolution that have beers like Citra Hero and uh, stuff like that in Mosaic with the cost of that rising and everything. Um, that's kind of a scary thing that they've relied. I so shouldn't say rely, but uh, they have kind of their core products really centered around these hops that are just growing in cost Every for the past like two three months have just been growing and growing. I want to propose to you though, like from our standpoint, we contract hops out 
out to like 2023, 2024 oh, right now. That is very true. And so yeah, we've contracted yeah. Citra out at 14.99 a pound or 13.99 a pound until 2023. And so I mean, we have hop contracts now that represent you know more than my house that I live in now. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I can only imagine that that Rev does the same sort of thing. But from your guys' bigger standpoint, scale, yeah, exactly. Like, so from bigger than even what you're doing. Way bigger than what Which, I'm doing. So technically, they're in, they're like, the like a little bit of what you're States. doing could technically trickle down to fuck guys like Windmill because or well, is that no, wrong? no, no, no. I think what's no, I think what it is is basically like. When me when we fill out our new contracts, we're like, well, you know, this is what we're projecting we need for Citra. Let's go ahead and bump in like a twenty percent bump, and of a more just to be sure. And also, if we want to make a different beer with Citra, that's not like Dank Meme or Wizards Never Later or Wake Up Neil or whatever, and we want to use Citra for anything else. Let's go ahead and push in that twenty percent so we have extra Citra. And then, I mean, I think what's it's coming down to is like there was another local brewery here in Illinois over uh, that will remain unnamed, but in Downstate. They gave me a really hard time, like about eight months ago, that we had contracted for Mosaic because it was so plentiful. Like you contracted for that, that's everywhere. It's everywhere, and now I mean I've I've had to give them Mosaic off of my contract. And so, you know, I think for us, like when we develop a SKU, I want the hops for that SKU um, basically engaged in perpetuity. Like I want to make sure that I don't run out of, you know, Citra for Dank Meme, or I don't run out of Mosaic for. Uh, you know, the mosaic beers we make. And so it, it's, I think you, but when you're a certain size, like I think at the windmill size, it's really tough to be like, okay, this is what I'm projecting I need. And I'm going to sign a contract for all this because then if you don't use it, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of other kind of interesting things with hop contracts. I mean, you don't use them and they go into storage, you pay for the storage. You've, I mean, you've got all kinds of other things that are really hard to swallow. And for us, when we, we started and it was like the year of the hop shortage. And I was like, man, I'm not going to deal with that again. I want these hops and I don't want to have to deal with this again. And so we just started signing contracts early on. I was like, well, worst case scenario, we have to make a bunch of one-off beers and use up these contracts. And that's happened sometimes. Or like this year, I've, I've been more proactive about giving up our hops that we have extra and like listing on the, on the, on the brewer's list serve and be like, hey, we've got these extra hops. You guys want them? Take them. Oh, List hey. serve. You just uh, dated yourself so Well, that's what bad. it's called. It's <laughs> I didn't, I don't host Old man. Yeah. But I mean, I think that if you're I'm a newer, texting you right now. If you're a newer brewery, yeah. <laughs> ISO. If, if you're a newer brewery and you're using like Lupulin Exchange as your prime source or you're using like some of the other spot markets as your prime source, I think what's happening is that there's this middle layer of speculators that are driving up the price. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't think absolutely. that Rev is responsible for the price increasing. I think Rev and Brickstone and some of the other bigger breweries are responsible for like the shortness of the supply to some degree, like of certain hops, because there's only so much. Like Galaxy is a great example, but they're not changing the price because they're contracted out so far in the future. What's happening is these speculators are getting in the middle, and what they're finding is like they're they're calling the right brewery that has too much of something, and then they're buying it from them at the price they contracted out, and then they're reselling it for thirty percent, forty percent, fifty percent more. And then that impacts you guys big time. And who I are think these speculators? Like how are they're just like middle? There's middle level businesses. They're just like these guys. They're like I, like Wall Street like esque traders. Like you're, you're I, I would hate to throw out forecasting all this. a market. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell market. you all the names. I, well, I would no, hate to I say all yeah, of this yeah. like conspiracy theory, but uh, with the successfulness of smaller breweries compared to insanely macro breweries. Um, oh, you definitely get some of that on Lupulin Exchange, especially. Yeah. Which I can't hardly believe some of the breweries that feel okay about listing 
you know, $35 Citra on there because yep. you know they didn't contract it at 35 uh, and their yeah. name is attached. You see the brewery name on there and you're like, wow, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> dicks. Yeah. And so we... Yeah, that, uh, that seems, it feels kind of dirty. Like, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, but that's a life of, I think a, a windmill size, that, I mean, if that's just where you're, like it's one of the sources of getting hops. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, what's super, it, it's so, it, it's usually the double-edged sword is a good and a bad on our end, it's really just like a bad and a bad in the fact that um, we're so small uh, that we kind of need to make everything just be as impactful as it possibly can and be like a, as hype driven as it possibly can. So there's a very, there's a, I guess like a, a threshold of like what we can actually produce and what we can actually do to appease the people because everyone's expecting these like giant green fucking you know hot bombs that are absolutely turbid that you can't see through that look like egg drop soup and they're expecting that every single time that's what they want and that wrong should i just (laughs) (laughs) not not exactly i mean if that's what you like that's what you like you know um but in that same in that same focus people expect this every single time and for breweries like us that are so small that we really do rely on spot buying for 95 percent of everything um it really makes that even harder and more of an uphill battle because we're trying so hard and fighting this market that is just you know gouging us for every little bit of ingredient that we can get and trying uh, I, w- I don't want to say that barley and grain is not as important as hops but in today's world with like you know pastry boys and haze boys going on and everything like Hops really, really, really do make the people kind of like foam at the mouth, and that is really what even, gets them 100%. in our doors. Even pivoting doors. from that, you see something where we're all using, you know, if, if a lot of us are using fruit from Oregon Fruits, for instance, that place is out of stock consistently on everything and all the time. Out they there, get, yeah, yeah they'll get yeah. something in stock, and then it'll all be out of stock again instantly mm-hmm. because everyone is brewing all these like the same kind of things, all yep. these fruited milkshake IPAs, or fruited sours, just fruited beers in general, just yeah. fruited beers in general, and, so like, and everyone's trying to There's push not enough it infrastructure. so hard yeah. to get like the biggest fruit flavor. That yep. basically, when you have a, a company that makes you know reliable fruit purees that you can get from every day to you know make your beers that you want to rely on to get you there gone you know all the time and that messes with production schedules even of a brewery our size i mean we're like well usually we would order like we've had this beer called hawaiian shirt day which is a mango passion fruit ipa and you know usually we make it a certain time and then we put the puree in and we release it and this year you know some of that was delayed by just availability of those things right i mean availability of mango availability of patient passion fruit you find yourself experimenting with like new sources of those things, which also doesn't always turn out. So like this year, um, a, a great example of that galaxy, like I had this idea for a galaxy beer and the only place I get galaxy from, it was like a year and a half old galaxy. And I was like, well, I'm going to roll the dice on this and try it. And it was my fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we made 30 try barrels spot of it. Buying boy. That's what I did. So we, we make 30 barrels of it. And, uh, and finally like the beer is done. Some excitement in your life. Yeah, we make the beer and the beer's done. We, we've got it carbonated. I'm just like, this is not the Galaxy character. This is not good. Let's dump it. And it was like the last thing I did before I went on vacation last time. I was like, just dump this beer out. It's not good. And then all, all the brewers are like, really? Are you sure? You know, we could probably, like, no, no, it's we Galaxy. We this. Yeah, this Somebody Galaxy, this. Yeah, this Galaxy yeah. is not good. Just dump this out. And I think that's what's happening. Increasingly, you find yourself trying these things, like the same thing with the vanilla bean thing. Um, all, all these like sketchy vanilla bean sources, you find yourself like, well, I need vanilla beans. This is all I can get. 
That's yeah. two. That's two things I would do. I do want to go a little deeper on. First of all, the just the confusion for some consumers maybe when you when you guys are referring to spot buying, maybe just kind of. You know, there's it's like a, uh, when I, you, I'm sure it's very common sense, but just to be safe, it's a trader like, term too. Because I'm from yeah. like the electronic finance world too. It's basically buying on the open market. You know, you have you have sellers out there that have like we were talking about earlier with people that are buying up other people's contracts and then listing them for sale. That's that's a spot spot speculator where they're looking to sell those hops at that point in time and probably make a few bucks on it. That's that's providing liquidity to the market. They would mm-hmm. say, you know, we say they're profiting off of it which they are but they're also providing somewhat of a service if these breweries aren't connected no oh hey anthony's long on citra there's another yeah term. i mean in the old yeah. days before lupulin exchange existed though you had basically people sending messages to like the brewers association list serve i'm sorry list uh, or in the forum like <laughs> posting they were long on these like things yeah, yeah and they would and they would you would just transfer a contract cost with each other. You're like, oh yeah, I'll take those off your hands because they were happy just not to have to pay the storage fees. Right. But now when they see that they have extra Citra and they can sell it, I mean, Citra now is so high that I could sell it on, and I was joking with Tommy from Brickstone about this the other day. You can, like he had a big pile of Galaxy and he's like, what are we going to brew with this? And I said, oh, Tahitian vacation. Because like, <laughs> yeah, lucky. he could no. sell that for more than he can <laughs> actually sell the beer for. I mean, he has a better profit margin on selling just the hops than he does from the beer. And I think something's messed up about that. That's crazy. And I think also, yeah. though, some of that is like the bleed over from where Anything craft. you guys want. They're looking at me every time they open my yeah. cooler, like, drink it all. Drink it all. I brought all those beers not here used to this kind of in, treatment. With the intent <laughs> of drinking all of them before we walk out of here. The idea that you could make like... You know, the windmill size is different, so, like, labor and, and fixed costs are different. But a brewery of, like, our size or even, like, a bigger, you know, like a distill size, like, the idea that they could even – there's no way that they could buy $35 a pound hops and make a profitable beer. It's just – it's impossible because the number yes. of hops you would need and all the other fixed costs that are stuck in that. And so even for us, like, for us to get $35 a pound hops. And so what I see instead, though – is there are a lot of breweries that are even bigger than us, 50-barrel brew houses, and they are paying those prices because they have a bunch of VC money. They have a bunch of like money behind them that it's not like sustainable money, and that is helping push up this artificial inflation of hops as well. I mean, when anybody is willing to pay whatever it cost it takes to get Galaxy or whatever it cost it takes to get Citra or El Dorado now. Uh, El Dorado. I know. That's ridiculous. weird. El Dorado's that makes me really upset. Yeah, it's starting to get jacked up. How do you guys feel from the brewer standpoint uh, uh, of like listening, or s- you know, you're either uh, audibly listening in conversations with consumers, or, or looking online at, at forums, whatever you guys, the groups that you're in. How do you guys feel when when consumers they've started to slowly attach themselves to specific hops? Like, oh, I like citrus, or I don't like mosaic. Well, I don't care for Simcoe. Do you guys believe that, or do you guys kind of say like you're kind of like leading yourself? based on certain things. I have a lot of people, you know, working at a bottle shop. It's like you come in, they're like, oh, I don't like anything with mosaic in it. We're starting to get big enough that we should start going to selection and picking like the lots that we need and that we want. But I'll tell you this. I think that a lot of times people associate certain flavor profiles with certain hops. And I think they could be potentially bad lots. I mean, I think Summit is a great example of that where it has such a garlic onion um, reputation. Yeah, but good selected summit has like more of an orange character i mean if you let summit sit on the vine too long on, on the bind i'm sorry on the <laughs> bind, bind. Be too long. B? yeah 
Someone would have called you on yeah, the do you sure. know in the cast. Send me a <laughs> evil email. Uh, this guy does. Why does he even own hop, a brewery? Yeah, he doesn't even know what hops grow on. <laughs> this fucking guy doesn't know <laughs> anything. Doesn't know about hops. Uh, well, they stay on. They tend they, right now. they tend to stent, get more like you know, garlicky and bo and kind of like danky in a really bad way. But I think so. I think a lot of what's happening is you know there's a big middle chunk of the market that is serviced by really big places that they're not doing a super active selection. And so you're getting mosaic. I mean, for us, sometimes the mosaic is really awesome. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the citra is really awesome. And sometimes it's not. Yep. The Eldorado is a crapshoot. Like one of the other brewers swears that like he knows what farms it needs to come from to oh, be really? Like really good Eldorado. Like versus like, like, like I'm not sure I believe him, but, uh-huh. but, he, but he is right. There is a big difference. And so I think there is a danger because hops are such an agricultural input and there's so much variability with hops that if you just associate with the name, like, oh, I'm getting mosaic, and, and you're, I don't know, what, I mean, you guys are more subject to variants probably than we are. Even. Absolutely. I mean, uh, our mosaic comes from different climates and soils, I mean, probably every three, four months. So, um, I don't know, in, uh, in the question that you asked, I, it's, to me, a very double-edged sword. I think it's very good, and I think it's very bad. Um there are a lot of educated consumers out there that know their stuff and know what they like and know what they want to spend their money on, which in, in all reality is what we as quality beer providers produce. That's what we want out of a customer. Um, in that same aspect, I feel it's almost slightly detrimental to a customer trying to look for or i shouldn't even say a customer just a consumer just trying to find a new beer um if they like citra let's just list off the the big boys here if they only like citra mosaic galaxy uh nelson Sauvin, um stuff like that it's gonna be hard to Big push secret, them on something that sabro ha- or, yep exactly well, that's like the new kids right sabro it, strata you've seen a little more was that styrian wolf strata, strata there was like wolf? maybe five thousand pounds total i mean the first year was harvested yep. anyways i mean so like the idea that even a triptych sized brewery would get some is like whoa yeah right <laughs> I, I mean think i think I'm the only reason justin gets some is oh, connections and yeah yeah he's he definitely is brassing in i right? think maplewood windmill might see something mm-hmm. in two days with strata oh, there you go. <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> we're going over there on the hops. third yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not windmills fair. yeah not windmills hops no <laughs> hell yeah fair i did find strata terps though Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> yeah, so that, that that whole spot buying thing, I think, can be confusing sometimes for for consumers to like. What, I don't know what they mean, like, but basically, you're, you're like, what se- separates some of the the differences, like in a T chart for spot buying versus contract. Imagine buying, like. going to Colorado and having like a a contract to like buy all the weed that you want for the entire year, and then like going and going buying on the street, <laughs> like gram here, gram. Yep. That that's exactly how it is, okay. it's, and you like you get and you're forced, paying for it. You get forced if you want it. You're going to get forced to pay whatever they want for it. So would you tie that into like earlier today? You guys were were all gathered around the the grain talking about country malt, and you were talking about the super sack and the disc. And you were describing some of the discounts you get by buying the bigger sack versus buying forty bags. Yeah, of. I mean, I think a bigger brewery like Half Acre or Rev, you know, gets a bigger discount by taking those full pallets down and not leaving them at an intermediate broker so they can deal with like 
they can deal directly with a farm or several farms and get what they want. You know, Russian River. Cutting out the middleman. Yeah, Russian yeah. River goes and gets the exact Simcoe they want from the exact row and the exact field and the exact place. And so a smaller brewery like us, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. We, we don't have time to go. You know, it's just not going to happen. And, and the other thing is we couldn't take the whole farm's worth of hops anyways. But someone like Rev, Killian, they, could, they can clean out a whole... They clean a whole plot of one variety if that they like it and they want to select it. And so for us, you know, smaller brewers, you're kind of just kind of feeding off of the leftovers that like yeah. Rev and Sam Adams and Sierra Nevada don't select in their selection process. So the selection process every fall, big brewers and even some smaller brewers. I know on your, I think that was on your podcast, uh, they were mentioning at Hot Butcher, they're just starting to think about getting interested in going out and doing selection. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you go out there and you pick the specific lots that you want. And then you bring those home, basically. And those are the hops you use all year. But Everybody wants brewers, a good old-fashioned hop rub. Yeah, nice. exactly. And you're going to do the hop rub, and you're going like, to smell different. Because every different field and every different row is slightly different. We got some We got some brewery action. What do we need? Some, some milk. milk. Don't worry about it. Go is ahead. it time to time milk to the milk? You need, you need more help? Yeah. You, we can we can pause, or you can, can rotate other people in. It's up to you guys. There's no one else after we all leave. All right, yeah. so we're all going to go. Let's go dump some milk. <laughs> we're going to go dump right. some almond milk. We'll come back. That. We'll come back and uh, and jump after the the hop conversation. We'll jump into something else. Dude, you were too early. You were too early was on the I pop, really? dude. No, you I popped wasn't. It. Yeah, I watched no. it. I watched. Now you were 100 percent too early. Yeah. And my, Mark, you were getting the clicks. <laughs> you were on the you were on the metronome status, dude. All Come right, on, so so what did we just what did we just dump in? Like, how many cases of almond milk just went? We dumped in about sixty gallons of 60 almond milk. Gallons I think I drank three of those. Some silky <laughs> shit. Yeah, you did. You did. You you were dribbling it all over yourself. It was I'm about to hot. pour five more gallons on me. Let's make it back to the hotel. <laughs> right. No, tell them your idea that you had. I mean, what was the great the, the gram post that we could have had just if we room. just had like a like an extra set of clothes for you or something? Oh. He has extra clothes. Oh, yeah. I do have extra clothes. What are yeah. we doing sitting here? Well, we're out of almond milk. <laughs> we are. That's true. Bring the camera to my hotel shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. No, tell me what you were gonna so do. What's, with it. what's the movie? Flashdance. Flashdance. Flash yeah, so, that's uh, what you were trying to. With that song, Maniac, they uh, they pull the chain and then a whole bucket of water comes on this guy in a lawn chair. Yes, I basically want to do the exact same thing, but pull the chain and you know, five gallons of almond milk just coat my entire body. Super creamy almond milk. So, so collab brew day. I know we covered a bunch of stuff earlier already, but the horchata, it's a milkshake, right? So it's yeah. like an IPA. Yep. It's going to have some hop character. It's going to have some lactose. We'll have some lactose. You're not allowed to say that. Well, let's say it on the label. Yeah. We always call aller- allergens on our labels. Allergens. Because I'm lactose thing, intolerant, right? yeah, so no. I don't want to like open up a beer and then later be like, man, my stomach is... Ugh. <laughs> yeah. It's not those tacos I just brew them just and ate. do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> While avoiding it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's not my favorite. We have a lot of customers that would prefer not. We don't put it in a ton of stuff. But when you're gonna use vanilla though, it really I think builds this like ice cream kind of dessert expectation and it really helps you. You don't have to put nearly as much vanilla for one thing. It's our yep. experience at least. That's a tough ingredient, right? I mean, just price-wise. I mean, we talked about citra hops and the expensive oh, hops, man. Now vanilla. There's a good topic to get on. Well, let's get on it then. <laughs> What's there to say? It's expensive. It's been <laughs> getting more expensive every, like, six months. I think I think Anthony alluded to it earlier, too. It was, like, the quality of it is hard to even, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, vanilla to, to is assess another. when you're buying it. There's a phone ringing. Somebody's is phone is ringing. <laughs> it is not mine. Um, 
Yeah, vanilla is one of those things line. where uh, his birthday line. It's the birthday line. It couldn't be Mike's. It's another one of those commodities dead. that uh, these traders. percent. That's a full battery for me. <laughs> will uh, buy. They'll buy all the vanilla basically, and then store it on like a boat off the coast, and store yep. it until the price goes up high, and then sell it all back in again. And then you that have all these so like fucking crazy weird. Yeah. Like I've heard about like in Tahiti now, especially where like growers are initializing on the beans and stuff to make sure because they're being stolen otherwise and sold without their permission like they're being harvested right before they're ready uh, a lot of weird stuff like that and then you have just the normal inconsistencies with vanilla which involves basically repacking um, is a big problem because you have a lot of people like repacking small amounts of vanilla beans and then selling them but they're not exactly in super sanitary conditions and so while beer has some alcohol and a reasonably acidic pH it can't completely deal with like some guy rubbing vanilla beans on his beard and you mm. doing that in your beer mm. afterwards, or you know some like poor country that hasn't had running water yeah in the past you know four thousand years yeah <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of problems with it yeah there's like a whole world around vanilla even not even just beer vanilla that's just I've heard all these stories like you were talking about like the stealing of it or the they stamp a lot of these beans right like yeah, individually yeah. they yep. have like a to okay. try to make sure that you know like oh these all came from this person and they're all sanctioned because you know the like tahiti is a pretty small place so you know if someone's stealing it or counterfeiting it or whatever then it's pretty easy to, to pick out but like madagascar versus tahitian like or parmigiano yeah yeah i mean i think for us we've started to come around more to extra vanilla extract and not just like you know imitation whatever but like real vanilla extract and i think a big part of that is just consistency and one of our things at triptych is better living through science so we don't really draw a line of just like well you know we're for uh we're we're gonna only gonna put vanilla beans whole vanilla beans in our beer but we're you know you find us like two days later dropping like a full chocolate cake in the mash tun or something stupid so i mean fuck it yeah <laughs> so i think it, we don't really draw a line arbitrarily like whatever tastes better and is most consistent is what we would go for and so we've found lately that there is some some federally approved like ttb approved vanilla extract that is high quality it's like very concentrated and it's consistent and also it still is expensive, expensive. Yeah. yeah it's like uh like 800 a gallon uh, yeah. And so, for certain beers, we might put two gallons in a in a batch, like in a fifteen barrel batch. So, but we were doing that with vanilla beans too, or four hundred, six hundred a pound, depending on the timing of what was going on. And you know, you're still putting in that equivalency. So, I don't know. I, I think Mikey and I have talked about this a little bit. And I think he has a different point of view on the vanilla. But actually, I I'm, hear kinda, about I'm, it. I'm kind of like right in line with that. Uh, to me, it very much parallels the. Uh, pharmaceutical versus drug like street drug world where um you can buy like on the street like a an opiate that you know with the differentiating um quality of vanilla like the actual raw raw product that you can get it can either be very potent very good very ripe very old very young um but at the same point with uh like the extracts to let's just say a pharmaceutical drug compared to a street drug you know what you're getting every single time and with that, it's very controllable. Sometimes in vanilla, basically just dependent on the, the time of year that you get it, if it's fresh or not, it can be absolutely different between spring and fall. So with getting something like an extract, it's uh, very controllable. It's something that you can um, anticipate results with and kind of uh, know what you're going to get at the end of the day. So I'm uh, 
I, I used to be very, very against um, extracts of any kind, and I used to really want to just uh, drive absolutely pure as I could and use only, like, the real deal and everything. And um, with the evolving beer world and with everyone showing me what they're doing and, you know, all of us peers talking to each other, there is an absolute difference between what you can get for the price that you pay. So, like, if you wanted to use vanilla beans for some of the beers that we did that we used extract with, you'd end up paying five times the amount in raw vanilla. And that's very, very big right there. And just being able to have a, a control over it and just something nice and that, that you can anticipate what is going to come out, it, uh, it helps a lot and really um, helps you kind of project the amount of money that you're going to end up putting into one said beer. So in, in my opinion, that, that really goes a long way. Yeah, it feels like there's uh, two different lines that you're that you're always trying to think about because you're talking about you mentioned the financial part of it and then also like the flavor part of it as well. But uh, there's like these two lines that you have to manage, which is you guys when as brewers and owners like when is when do you hit that mark where you're like let's go with some extract in this as well, whether again it'd be for flavor or for pricing, whatever it is, and then the consumer side where it's like, what are they looking for? I mean, if you're looking at the idealistic world and the you know integrity, you're like, oh, we should be using all raw vanilla bean, you know, like 100% vanilla bean. But if you're actually playing towards the flavor profile or the preferred taste of most of the beer people out there, you're probably better off in extracts, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, that's that the, I think that's sense? the big thing is, you know, you're making some of these beers are specifically mimicking like a food or dessert that someone right. has in mind, and you are never going to hit that place with the raw ingredients raw because you're basically yeah. Yeah. like a step before whatever food you're thinking about. Like if, let's say, you know, orange creamsicle is a hot thing right now. Let's say that that's your inspiration, you know, like or, there's no natural, you know, there's no orange creamsicle out there that says, no? you know, has like <laughs> vanilla flecks in it. And it looks like, I mean, what, co- where do you think they get the orange color from? I mean, there's <laughs> just like the whole thing itself is coming from a food. And so if you, if your goal and there's no, I don't, I mean, I think that, and a lot of times the stuff, when we first started, we were really high up on that, on that horse. Like, well, we're going to do, you know, all these classic things and it's going to just be beer and it's going to be beer flavored beer and, you know, fuck everybody else. And I think when we kind of came over the years, we kind of softened and became like, is this fun? Is this something people want to drink? Is this something, you know, they're going to drink again? I think it's, there's a lot of like those kind of, I don't know, I, I, Mike is one place at microphone like that really some of the stuff he was doing really opened my eyes and Mike and doesn't my, give a fuck yeah exactly <laughs> and he doesn't have like this weird tangle like he's just really free with whatever he wants to do and whatever he's gonna and make he spends a shit ton of money yeah I mean, absolutely. he spends a shit ton of money on vanilla yeah and absolutely on the, the ingredients yeah, in general yeah. like he doesn't but he also like puts chocolate cake and right. donuts and right chicken fried chicken fried chicken beer. yeah so one of my favorites but i think that that is like that's kind of the line you're walking i think it's more important that if you're looking you know, if we're going to make a barrel-aged stout and we're going to put vanilla in that, that's probably going to use whole beans and there's no preconceived expectations around it. But if you're trying to make specifically a beer that's like mimicking creamsicle or mimicking, I don't know, brownies or something, there's just a lot of expectation that you have to m- be more closer to how those things are made versus how beer, quote-unquote, is made. I think there's a, a line of integrity that a lot of people try to follow as far as like using pure sources of ingredients too. I mean, 
for me it was uh it it it's kind of funny because i held so much uh i i held so many feelings and pride towards it but it was something that nobody would ever even know about i mean um with trying to use i it's still to this day we use fresh fruit or i'm sorry either fresh or frozen fruit and um with that nobody knows about that aside from the locals that come into our tap room and actually talk to us that work there or if they follow you on instagram or if they follow my with my, a cart full <laughs> of kiwis or some porn. shit yeah <laughs> um but i mean with that i mean there's maybe eight percent of our entire clientele knows what links that we go to so i think there was a just a line of integrity that i was trying to really hold and in, in using only pure ingredients and only using you know absolute fresh and 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 real raw ingredients so um i think it's almost uh giving away a little bit of yourself to appease the people that are you know in the end really coming in and buying up everything that there is so yeah i mean i think for us like if we're gonna put if we're gonna call out an ingredient on a beer you know aside from the allergen side of things with lactose and and nuts and anything else that might be in the beer um if you're going to call it out, then we want that to be pretty apparent. And I think we've had times in the past where we're like, well, let's just talk about all the ingredients we put in the beer. And then later when the beer comes out and it's packaged, and you're like, well, you know, you kind of can get, if you sit here and really think about strawberry, you can get a strawberry flavor. You really think about X, Y, Z fruit. And so for us, if we're going to call it out on the packaging, then it needs to be really apparent. And so, you know, vanilla is a great example of that. I think, the other thing is, you know, as a, a growing business concern, you really have to kind of flow with the market and as it ebbs and flows and as things change. And I think Chicago, we're all so close to Chicago, both of us, so you're even closer than we are. And, and I think what's going on there at other breweries is influencing what's going on here. And Absolutely. And, and, and so if some guy, if, if uh, you know, we could pick on Justin for a second, if, if Blazed Orange is, is the creamsicle IPA, then when someone buys one and it even mentions any aspect of that, that it needs to taste pretty similar to that. And I think yeah, that's the standard. That's basically yep. what people have. In it's their the same mind way as like hazy IPA in Chicago, like a lot of London three East, a lot of, and that, that just kind of evolved over time. I mean, Mike started using it and everybody is like kind of boom. Everybody's just using it now. It's London kind of 3. funny. Uh, I was talking with uh, one of our bartenders earlier this week and, um, he was basically telling me that uh, we were kind of like just making jokes about hazy beers because, I mean, what else would we do all day when we make hazy beers and serve hazy beers all day? Um, he was tasting a beer that someone brought into. I think it was the guy that you guys mentioned earlier, Eric. Uh, he, ba- born, yeah, he, yeah. he was basically like, man, it's like uh, almost like after tasting all of these beers, like, well, all right, this yeast was this beer that we use, you know. So it's, uh, even our ser- even our servers and bartenders are like, understanding um a little more in the realm of like what actual ingredients are going in that kind of make all of these beers revolve around the same around the same uh sun i guess and now you're getting some of that paired paired with all that i mean there's so much we can go into but like paired with all that you're getting some of that sticker shock on some people when you release a four pack of an ipa that's hazy or you know double dry hop double indian pale ale you know indian pale ale it's like you're seeing the 18 and 19 and 20 dollar four packs and they're they're commonplace now but you're still seeing some of that backlash of just the whining that people are going are buying it anyway but they're still going to put that little post up on Facebook like oh man I remember when I used to pay this much for this kind of beer or whatever so 
I think the education part is like, I don't think people realize not only are you you're using more grain too. On top, I mean, hops are obvious. We're obviously using a shit ton more hops. Well, right? there's also like, I mean, in some of those beers, you're not repitching the yeast. So yeah. that's another big thing where you get another prop for new batch. Now, why is that? What, what? Yeah, I mean, it depends on your brewery. Better. Yeah, exactly. The, I mean, it depends on your brewery. Just tired. Say if uh, you have a really high gravity beer, like let's just say above eight percent, you're not gonna the, the if you pulled that yeast off, it would not perform nearly as good as something off of five percent. And drop that as easy as you would. Well, and London three is already kind of a, a pain in the ass, anyways, in terms of like especially flocculation dry harvesting. hopping. I mean, yeah. after trying to get it through all of that, I mean, probably half of your yeast pitch is actually just hops. Yep. Like and then you're hoping that I mean the other thing now with hops and hop processing is that like the kiln temperature is so much lower that there's a lot more like extra wild yeast and other things coming along on the hops and so there's a lot of concerns about like propagating that forward and and I mean there's just a lot of aspects I, I was talking to Lance at Omega he came down here a few months ago and him and I were talking and he said London Three is the biggest thing they're growing right now that's just you know. And then Wasn't a lot of people, because they were like honoring him at yeah, like, they were like the Hall of Fame or something, yeah, some, right? Yeah, it's on U of I, yeah, because he was a he's a U of I alum. He, him and I were in the same homebrew club together for a long time. He's a goddamn genius. He is. Guy. He's an awesome dude. I would like to thank Addy for letting me use his hotel to shower in in St. Louis. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you, Omega. <laughs> I very much appreciate it. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's so a lot down easier. Here and it's he was a lot saying e- that London well, three. growing up London three, and a lot of people. Depending on what their dry hop schedule might be, they're just like dropping the yeast out afterwards, not reusing it, and so that adds to the cost. I mean, a propagation of of London three for a fifteen barrel batch is like five hundred bucks. So oh, wow, yeah, and that like we took we covered the hops and the prices on that, and then you're using less straightforward malts, right? I mean, because you're doing flaked oats and flaked yeah. wheat and things yeah. like that, right, for these hazies and yeah. I mean, I think that I kind of have this feeling that this will all kind of straighten itself out. And I think there's going to be for a while, like a race back down to low pricing. And I think there'll be also a race to like high level and we'll see kind of where it all, I mean, it also, I think for both of us, you know, windmill and triptych, I mean, we both do distribute, but we sell a ton of cans out of our brewery directly. And that's our best scenario. Yeah. Yeah. About you guys. Yeah. yeah. That's our primary goal. Isn't yeah, that, that the goal? Too. Like that, isn't that the way to do it? I mean, I get it. You want to get your brand out and oh, all yeah. that. In-house. You know. In-house. I mean, it's the, the least amount of money that you got to pay extra. I mean, if, you, if you're sending someone out to sell cans, you got to pay that person, their gas, their insurance on that vehicle, their insurance for your company. I mean, you, you know, need to go everything. monitor the cans and make sure the beer's being oh, treated yeah. well. Make sure it's not going to go out of code. Make sure they're it. not overselling. Make sure they don't yeah. have too much. Make sure that, you know, Overbuying. they're going <laughs> have someone to go out and sample. I mean, make sure they haven't taken your like, out in the store. case of six, four packs and broken it into 24 singles and selling each single for, you know, yeah. Yeah. A third of <laughs> what the four pack the, should uh, be sold That used for. to be like the zombie the dust. Mixed four uh, pack back in the beers. Day. Yeah. Exactly. Go to the local liquor store and the guy's like seven bucks a bottle for zombie dust. Like what? No, even worse we're talking about the mix like if a beer doesn't sell and now it's on the mix so oh, it ends up in that binny's like yep. rack that has yep. like all the different yeah yeah so uh with uh like driving down the cost of everything i think that's something that we've really tried to focus on in uh in indiana um the clientele is a little different than chicago and illinois um a lot of people are still very content with um their uh for lack of a better term like dad styles like uh golden nice kolsch and and not not to say anything bad against i mean they're the styles that i love to drink i mean just uh 
the non hypey styles does absolutely well in Indiana. Um, so we're kind of fighting an uphill battle because a majority of Northwest Indiana doesn't exactly drink the beers that we cater to. And we really cater to, uh, the Chicago market a a lot more than the end than the Indiana market, I would say. Um, but with all of that, we, uh, really did try to make a striving effort to bring the cost of our beers down, um, for like any general lager, anything under like five per, uh, anything under five and a half percent is generally viewed in our eyes. It should be under 10% or 10, I'm sorry, $10, yeah, $10 NWI light. Yeah. Um, and a majority of our like core item beers, uh, have really been, um, I guess scaled to make them affordable for the, for the everyday man air quotes. I think there is a lot of value add for a local brewery to make those beers. And I think you get like from a huge, craft beer nerds and like real huge craft beer enthusiasts you get a lot of blowback like why are you bothering to make these light lagers why are you making this you know why are you making that and i think the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people out there that want to drink those beers and this gives them a way to keep that beer money number one in their community with places that are employing local people and not just operating as a tax shelter for some huge belgian or or south african conglomerate i mean so they're you're keeping all that money local You're, you're creating jobs you're stimulating your own local community and, you know, it's not necessarily about making a beer that passes as like a as a mass produced like, you know, uh, Coors or, or High Life or whatever. It's about like kind of putting a twist on it and making a really drinkable beer and then all that extra stuff of keeping all of the money and all the production local and community and, and contributing to your community versus like going down to Walmart and getting like, you know, a suitcase of this beer that is like made at a factory somewhere where all the money comes from a foreign source. And I think, you know, with all the other divisive politics that are going on, I hope that we can all agree that we'd want to keep, you know, money and and taxes and stuff local because that's the way that all of our communities get more control over their own destinies, basically, is keeping that all. Yeah, that's that's the craft proposition, basically. Local beer, local people. It's why we all, like, I think the entire idea of craft really is that, you know... Yeah, and then that's kind of reflected too. And I mean, you probably get it too. I mean, the amount of donation requests you probably get oh, yeah. in email. Like, give me some beer. And yeah. and <laughs> it's a lot. And it's you know you kind of have to set up sort of guidelines around that too. I've seen a lot of breweries do a lot of interesting things with trying to keep that money really local because we get donation requests from far and wide. I mean, not just Illinois, where we don't even distribute at this point. But I'm, I'm getting stuff from like Florida and stuff. Like, can you send a shirt and hat down here and right. stuff and it's like i've seen other breweries kind of do interesting things like uh and tired hands does it where they do uh big cash donations exclusively and they have like um i think a monthly thing where they like you submit a request to a specific email address right. and they review them on a monthly basis and they say we're going to donate you know x amount of dollars per month to you know community type fundraising thing and because that cash goes a lot farther than you donating a yeah merch or something to an auction or something like that so but that's that's the craft proposition is just trying to keep that money local and yet yeah, benefit the community and i mean employing people locally and having jobs and where they rent their houses or own their houses or go to the grocery store they do all these things locally is all part of this craft thing i think that gets overlooked sometimes and so you know just brewing those i think there is this value proposition and i think craft brewers especially we have to be careful like as we're trying to brew you know nwi light and and no big deal which is what triptychs uh hellas is and and these other beers 
is that we're not racing to the bottom just in the name of trying to keep up with ABI or trying to keep up with SAB Miller because that's not a value proposition. That's but just I, I do see that as a danger. Is, is there's a lot of that run to lower price lagers and even lower price beers. You know, with that session yes. sort of thing that started happening recently, where Check. it was like, are we just running to see who can produce the the highest amount of flavor for the absolute lowest price? You know, and that that. That's not really what we're going for. And for small breweries, I mean, that ultimately just ends up eating into our margins. And that, I mean, we can certainly absorb some of that, but I don't know. I think we've gotten off off the beaten track here. Oh no, goodness. no. <laughs> the problem is, is there is no track. I okay. Just, I, the, the whole purpose of this, I think, was just to kind of watch you guys interact and kind of talk, you know, what happens with, with, with multiple brewers and, and owners of facilities that are in a room and kind of your thoughts on things. I mean... I don't think you guys should feel like you're not allowed to have thoughts on, on the things that you guys have helped build. So, you know, it's a platform to not be, yeah, just not be like overly critical or anything, but just to yeah. like express some of your thoughts. There's a different value proposition between, you know, someone like Pipeworks making premium and making like a really awesome lager or someone from like Hailstorm making a hotel life. That's Hailstorm, right? Yeah. Um, Versus like founders making solid gold and having a bunch of San Miguel money behind it where they can like just beat us over the head with the pricing on it. We're never, you know, like that's just my outlook on it. It's really tough to live in that kind of world where craft brewers now are like racing each other to that part of of like solid gold pricing, especially I think is. Yeah, I think I was I think I was I was understanding the the sentiment behind what you guys were just saying, but uh just to just to be sure, like, do you guys feel like uh, some of that's being lost? I mean, what is it yeah, getting muddied with, a little bit? Because like, with what craft gold, is, yeah, because know? with solid gold, there literally is no community value proposition. I mean, right. there is someone at the distributor that's and not employed, even at that high level. Like, you're not even at that high level of like a founders rev. You know, right. like these big these big boys. But like, like, are you see, are you seeing that? Well, rev like at least keeps money in Chicago. You're true. not talking about like a Spanish owned. I mean, it's the same thing. I just think. You know, they're a Chicago company. They keep money in Chicago for the most part. I mean, I don't know. I, I, that's just my personal unpopular opinion about those things. <laughs> we're like, we're not going to touch that one. Everybody's Would you still call Founders a microbrewery, though? No. Well, oh, microbrewery or craft brewery? Okay. Because you have to go into the definitions of all of those. Okay. Well, I guess craft brewery. I mean, I think, um, you know, would you still call Boulevard a craft brewery with owned by a Belgian company. I think that it's, I don't, I think I, I enjoy drinking their beer. I enjoy it's out in the market. Well, I still love High Life, so I don't right. know if and the that's, enjoyment really stops Well, that, and that's fine know. too. I, but I think like if you were at a bar and you're like, I, I, yeah, it's your own personal decision for sure. I mean, I think it's just like one of those things. Like, you know, people have different connections to those brands for different reasons. And well, Coors Banquet is still brewed by people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's just more of like a, you know, knowing people that have been working there, they get laid off, for instance, when they're running the next budget cuts or whatever. I mean, there's just a lot of different politics involved with all that, that it's is easier from a craft brewer's high horse to be like, well, buy our beer, keep your money local, enjoy our light lager. I don't know. It seems like, uh, from from my perspective, it seems like uh, the, the goal um just being around owners and brewers uh, for the last like year, the goal or the 
the thing that I think maybe you, you guys would wish for the most uh, from the outside looking in is like you wish you could see these people kind of transition a little bit into like what we're drinking here, like a Czech Pilsner or, or like, do you guys, I mean, we talked about a little bit about, we see that kind of change maybe coming. How does it happen? Like it's, it's really hard for me right now to look at the current climate and, and, and think that people are just going to start buying. I think I would probably, I, I think I would probably be on the opposite. I mean, it's like, a the, to me, it personally, to me, it's like the grass is greener. I mean, if people started loving the shit out of, fucking pills and lagers and check pills and farmhouses and yeah. saisons. Well, none of our ale brewers would be set up to run production of I that. I would probably be like, damn, I really yeah, miss these double dry hop milkshakes. Yeah. You know? That I can turn over in two and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's almost like what I love this that takes, you know, three more weeks more or yeah, I, I, I think that I would always be plagued by the greener side of the fence, to be honest. So. Uh, I think yeah, I'm it doesn't just matter which way it's I'm going. I'm just perpetually <laughs> unhappy opposite. with life, so <laughs> it, it wouldn't even matter, to be honest. I, I think I we need to have a whole other conversation <laughs> with Mike now. Yeah. Perpetually unhappy until he gets that no, silk. No. Until he gets that <laughs> silk on him. They're silk in my blood, baby. Silk in my blood. Hey. Silk in these hairs. <laughs> yeah, baby. I mean, I think what you're looking at is the idea, you know, I think why a lot of us are making pastry stouts and we're making horchata milkshake IPA is because you're trying to keep like new drinkers interested and they're not necessarily interested in beer flavored beer that their dad was drinking. But then my dad who introduced me to IPA and pale ale is no longer interested in IPA and pale ale. He wants to start drinking like Pilsner and lager again. And so you have this like full circle thing where you're trying to keep the drinkers that we had already uh, involved and not let them go back to like mass produced. And then you're also trying to slice off some of this new generation where you know the BA statistics are showing that year after year after year we're getting less and less and less of those younger people engaged, and so you know craft beer is in a really difficult place right now. Like you know, you can't really, at least for our brewery, for instance. I mean, we don't just lay on the idea that we have all of these you know older people that want to sit here and drink perfectly clear West Coast IPAs, and you have to kind of constantly be making your circle as big as it can be to get as many people as you can involved and to keep them engaged. Uh, otherwise, like, you know, you might not be here in another couple of years to keep people engaged. I don't know. That's our point of view on it. I think we get, I think I hear from like the, it almost perverts the idea of what we're talking about when, when you hear conversations in tap rooms and breweries and that, and like amongst beer people at like bottle shares and things. It's like, sometimes you hear those grandiose statements and I think people don't understand. They think that like, the, the, you get that thought of like, oh, they're doing this because that's where the money is. It's not. It's not one thing. It's not like like it, maybe sure maybe financially, like you said, you can turn these beers around faster. You can you know you can. The, not everybody's outfitted to do loggers one after another, but it's like I think people need to understand the fact that uh, it's. It's not about that. It's about the fact that you guys do like making these beers. You do like drinking these beers, these these New Englands and the. the I'll the agree with the latter half of that statement. What's, <laughs> what's that? I like brewing them and drinking them. I think you know for us it's been like this personal challenge to. I mean, we had started a long time ago. I mean, probably the first hazy IPA I drank was like a microphone one, and that was like special sauce four years ago. Yeah, yeah. twenty fifteen. Yeah. special sauce, and so. From that point forward, I was like, you know, I think I could see how this would be. I liked drinking it. I thought it didn't have any, you know, as much bitterness as I was used to. I was like, I could see how this is going to become a thing. Let's get started and let's go into this. And that kind of like, and now that we feel really comfortable with all of that, then we're like, you know, I could see how Pilsner might be a thing. Let's get into that. And so, 
you know, for us, like I am an ADHD kind of guy. And so I just like, I'm lucky if I can, that's why the other brewers brew all the regular beers all the time. Cause I get bored of making them. And once the spec is developed, then, you know, go to town. I'd rather sit around and brew another, you know, Citra Hellas or something. I mean, there's just a lot of things I'd rather, I don't know. That's my point of view. I mean, how much life do you guys find in things like that? Because, like, like Mikey and uh, you guys at Windmill, like, to throw, like, the fucking Albanese stuff in your... Like, how much life do you guys find in people that just are just trying shit? Like, is it, is it make, like excite you guys still? I think it's the only... Uh, I think it's, like, the bedroom, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> A little private. So, uh, you just gotta, you gotta throw stuff in the spice You just gotta up, spice but, uh, it up every now I mean, and how again. can I put it? It's uh, every day and every ingredient. I mean, it's like those old mouth those old math problems where you can take like 20 shirts and six pairs of pants together and three shoes and make infinite amount of, you know, uh, outfit combinations and everything. But, um, I think it's a really cool way to just make everything exciting and really just push the envelope. Uh, something that I really, really adore is like going to the grocery store and walking down the produce aisle and being like, Oh, what do we have here? Like, well, what's going on here? Like, Ooh, that, hey, that looks Ooh. that looks really <laughs> hey, cool. I wonder. Oh, that's a hairy you look kiwi. good in grandma's salad. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I could just buy all of you right now. And most sometimes I have, you know. Uh, but uh, it's it's really nice just to like kind of let the spontaneity of whatever is around you and what you think people might be looking for next. Because in I guess our chase of everything is really kind of just like a. It's like a hotel concierge. We're really just trying to please people. That's really about it. And um, to yeah, just I mean, I, sorry, go ahead. Uh, don't go. I would say yeah. brewers. Brewers didn't make like seasonal the highest IRA IRI scan skew. Brewers didn't make IPA the highest IRI scan. I mean, consumers. I don't know what you just said. IRI like keeps track of like scanned okay. data, like grocery okay. stores and liquor stores and stuff. And so, like, you know, the data that we're all responding to, I mean, the reason that Sierra Nevada and Sam Adams are making hazy IPA and all that, this is all driven by consumers in a lot of ways. And so, you know, brewers don't sit around and think about, you know, how we're all going to, like, we are all just kind of working inside, we're cogs inside of a much bigger marketplace. I mean, we all come up with, we all have so many tanks, and we all come up with, like, some percentage of those tanks are just new things that we have no expectations on. But some of the other percentage of the tanks have to be like, yeah, yeah, something viable that, thing. What yeah. is going to, you know, <laughs> yeah, buy your ingredients for the next two months, yeah. And tasting room wise, which you both have a tasting room, and, and both have, it's it's fun to watch like the local versus, like what you might want to get out in a distro versus like what's mostly consumed on your property, you know, because feel like something like NWI light, I light or no big deal would be a huge seller here oh it is tab our biggest right? sellers yeah yeah like john uh, brand over at, at uh open outcry he runs into that with like speculator you know like yep, your beer nerds are going to complain that yep. double dry hops uh open interest isn't on tap or you know whatever it is but in reality like most of what he's selling is speculate you know like that's that's going to be the majority of his draft sales throughout a, a month or whatever i would say probably our our most bought product is probably two of by citra which is our that beer is uh, fucking awesome. Like our flagship <laughs> New England. I think it's like the only flagship beer that we actually have. There's a lot of beers that get brewed often, but Two of by Citra is probably the only beer that gets brewed um, the second it's about to start going out. So that's the only be. that's beer a that damn usually beer. stays there. Thank you. Well, this is the re-remember. Re-remember. Oh, man. I saw you pour it, and I was like, oh, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
This is phenomenal. More stouts. I saw him. Yeah, we went stout pills stout. Yeah, we're, we're idiots. Look at it's us. It's a great yeah. pattern. Alligator <laughs> blood. Or, or maybe we just know. We're professionals. Yeah. That's what I always say. Don't worry. I'm That's, a professional. I watched, I watched him in October last year, like, scale his inside of his cooler and, like, climb around <laughs> to find me and, <laughs> like, John Bitterman. Like, yeah. yeah, he went deep <laughs> into the library to find me. Like, And then, I mean, by, like... T- that bet party ended at seven, yeah. and I think we walked across the street yeah. to, to the uh, the old facility, and we hung out there till at least like ten thirty outside yeah. on the patio. Yeah. And you were you were detailing like just in casual conversation. It wasn't like, you know, I was interviewing you. You were detailing like the program that you've been kind of trying to do with with checking these like I stored this one hot, I stored this one cold. Try them like, mm. well like not hot, but like not not in in uh, cold storage. And the differences are epic. I mean, compared to. What I think that, most I mean, consumers would would understand. Yeah, and some of that might just be, you know, our primitive candy line. You know, you a brewery of our size can't af- afford like a half million dollar candy line, and so you work with what you got. And what we've got, we found that the beer is best when it's kept cold. And so I don't. Sometimes it's interesting because there's there's always retailer pushback on that. Why do I have to keep the beer cold? Why do you have to keep your beer cold? There's so many breweries I can get their beer out to keep it cold. Like they don't know already. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but dude, this is a stout. Why does it need to be cold? Yeah. And so we're just like, okay, well, you know, we'd just prefer if it was cold. And then, you know, there's sometimes there's consumer pushback on it too, though. They're like, well, I want to, I want to sell her this hazy IPA. I'm like, well, I don't want you to sell her the hazy IPA. So, I mean, I think that it's one of those things where sometimes our strong opinions at, at Triptych, at least, probably turn people off. But, you know, ultimately, we can't be everything to everyone. And so, I know what's best for our beer is that's cold the whole supply chain basically from the time that we've basically after the fermentation is complete and we've crashed cold killed it and then we've carbonated it we've packaged it i want it to stay cold the whole rest of the time until you take it to your house and you drink it and if you can't make that happen then we might not be uh the brand for your store or your refrigerator mm-hmm. it's, it's something that i think is gonna i think that's gonna happen more down the road i think you guys are kind of ahead of it a little bit compared to we have the most. luxury of like over demand for our product at the moment so i mean maybe in a year or two when we're burned out and nobody wants our beer anymore we'll be like begging people to put us on their warm shelves <laughs> but right now we don't care but just, we're just yeah, take us but right please. now be careful what you wish for <laughs> man <laughs> we can switch a taste room only <laughs> so let's 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 finish up i mean i know you guys got more brewing and things to do today but let's let's talk about the beer you're making right now and like when we can see it uh, silk milk <laughs> Soup milk. <laughs> Hashtag silk. No? no? What else we got? Silky boys? Silky boys. We no name yet, right? Or are we thinking collide? I don't think we officially no? agreed on one. We're, we're going to figure it out. Okay. All right. We just, I just wanted to do it. We're going to try to reciprocate over at uh, Windmill also with something that's going to be more interesting. Okay. What is the opposite of horchata? Invo- involving yeah. candy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get some candy in there. We have a good connection there. That's what I heard. Yep. <laughs> That's what right I down the road. We Is should it? actually go there and just like scope it out. They, they got like a, a tasting room or really something cool of candies. They give a mean tour too. We really? took a tour over really? there. They put us. They put me in a beard and and hairnet. Yeah, right. That's beautiful. Did you <laughs> take pictures? Coat. We took. Le- we I was gonna say. I hope you took pictures. I don't remember seeing them. Just the share those with the people. Is yeah. this one gonna be ready for the anniversary party? Yes, this will be ready. So that's the plan, right? That was our. Yeah, that's our scheduling for today. So we can get this ready. Put a plug in for that. I had mentioned something about July 27th. 
you know. Yeah, no. yeah. Our original, um, <laughs> yeah, Mikey and our original plan was a like a cake uh, pastry stout, but there wasn't. Okay. There was no way we could a get birthday the cake yeah. pastry stout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People have scheduling. to know that it's That's a right. birthday Sorry. cake, yeah. not <laughs> just a cake. Yeah, and it was there was <laughs> no way to schedule that. So, um, yeah. So, so when when do you guys have? Is it what year is it? Four. Four. Oh, year Jesus. Four. Really? Yes. Yep. That seems I know. like a it lot. It goes by very 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 quickly. Oh yeah. Same park, same uh, setup. A lot more breweries this year. All right, what's the lo- what's the locale in the Pheasant Hills Park, right down the street from Windmill, in Dyer. Big pond there, big open field. I think we have twenty-one breweries confirmed are coming and counting. And counting. Your guys' list was pretty sick because we, we, we didn't count all of them. Don't tell. No, <laughs> no, tri- no triptychs no. in the twenty-one. No, no, no. But then after that, my <laughs> wife was like, "Please, we don't have any more room." <laughs> So, <laughs> but yeah, we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of breweries that um, haven't been Shared seen in, yeah. in uh, Indiana before, so it should be a pretty sick lineup. Yeah, it's gonna be like a cover type thing, like you pay so much. And yeah, last year we out, did you know. we had just a couple breweries and we did like five dollar just full full price pours. This year we're doing thirty five dollars for unlimited samples. Okay, kind of more of a beer fest, fest style yeah. setup is what people just expect. So that's what I we're know, aiming weird, for. And right? then we have, so yeah, we tried to do something different last year and yeah. people got confused and it, it was fun. Uh, we also didn't have a ton of breweries last year. Um, this year we got a lot. So if you're going to, you're going to want to just do sample sizes from all these places we got, uh, we got a lot of really good beer. Yeah. Uh, are you guys going to do like glassware and stuff or like yeah. transient microphone, narrow gauge? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Saint Laurent. Uh-huh. I mean, this, this, yeah. Yeah. yeah, those are good. We, we've made Trim a lot tab, of, uh, we've made a lot of really C. great friends uh, the past couple of years. Yeah. So yeah. we're doing, uh, it'll just be plastic sample glasses branded, you know, windmill you get with your ticket because we can't have glass in the park. At least you can't drink out of glass. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It, but the town's been super cool about letting us use that park because you're technically not allowed to have alcohol in that park but they've uh we've we've asked for an exception <laughs> and it's been granted because uh they they do take care of us so bending some rules for you it's good yeah and will luther be at the park will luther will not be at the park but he will be at the, the after party in mm. the tap room after <laughs> 7 p.m we should sell prints of him you definitely his face will be on the him. commemorative four-year anniversary glasses it should be which have that same four color print as those luther t-shirts we have right now yes which are flying out of the tap room they should be that cat i think we need to insure that cat i was yeah. gonna say you guys should be <laughs> by lloyd's of london yeah right <laughs> yeah I've, I've never that's a that's been a worthwhile investment you know we got him as a mouser and he's just been he, he not does eating not mouse. mice at no, all, he does no. not mouse but he no, socializes more, yeah i was gonna say he's more of like uh like a, a mascot now than he <laughs> he basically just like sits in front of the doorway when you walk in and it's like oh i'll walk around this cat yeah yeah, <laughs> you can step around. yeah <laughs> people walk around him but that that's kind of a cool thing for like uh cat rescues and stuff is there's a whole bunch of cat rescues out there called like cats with jobs and stuff where they take these cats that are essentially unadoptable which is where we got him. He was unadoptable. He was actually called unadoptable. Anti-social. Yeah. And we basically gave him a purpose. And he is now the most social, awesome yeah. cat on the face of the he planet. He spent the whole podcast on my backpack and then on your backpack. He was sleeping on my backpack this morning before we drove down here. And then I came to a release like a few months later and he was just like the doorman. Yep. Yeah. And I love yeah. when everybody walks in and they're like, is that cat supposed to be outside? <laughs> <laughs> like that cat does what he wants. Yep. He owns that place. But yeah, yeah. he will not be in the park. Uh, 
but yeah, he will be at the after party for sure. I'll say something about like, like, yeah, you know, Mike over at windmill and they're like, nah, I'm like, they're like, I know Luther. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Luther's, fuck that cat. Luther's cool. <laughs> Luther's pretty cool. He's Anthony, what cap. do you guys got coming up? Um, Triptic stuff, you know. Yeah, we're that's, keeping that's Mike's job. Yeah, we'll, we'll I mean, we're keeping our keeping our heads down and just keep on keeping on. I mean, I feel keep like on, it's almost a year on. now. We've been a brewing over here, and we're just now used to everything. We just now feel great about everything. So, you know, we, I mean, we're we're trying to increase the frequency of drops in Chicago at places will that will agree to keep us cold. And and uh, I mean, we're doing more events and more stuff here at Tap Room. It is. It's interesting because in the old days we would brew like a 15 barrel batch of pastry stout and, and it would take us a long time to get through something like that. And now, you know, we can sell out of that usually in a weekend or, or yeah, a week we remember what kind of doesn't sit around. Not uh, really. Yeah. yeah. And so that gives you a lot more flexibility. It actually makes you feel more in, um, free to just like really do things like experiment with things that you might have thought were too out there before. Do you guys, uh, either of you have, uh, especially Windmill with your uh, anniversary, do you guys have a bottle release coming tagged along with the anniversary or anything? Like, are you guys doing a stout or anything, you know, a big yearly type thing? Or We have a lot of releases that we're not willing to commit okay. to for the public just yet. How far <laughs> out are we on the on the party? Three weeks. Uh, 27 days. Yeah, 27 days. It's 27 July 1st. Days. Good Lord. we're taping this. It's coming. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, it'll probably be up tonight or tomorrow. So Yeah, this is, this is the month that's crunch time now. I mean, we, we should... Thankfully, we've done this venue before, and we know what to expect. Last year was, I mean, it was it was a lot. I mean, having to deal with fencing and porta potties and security, and it was it's so much work. I mean, I look at like we went to you Dark Lord drove Day this us year. in the back of your truck going it, forty miles an hour <laughs> down the street with six people and all of our equipment in the back of your dad's truck. Yeah, I mean... We it, all remember that. I have immense <laughs> respect for places that put on fests now. Like, it, it's so much work. I mean, people have no idea what goes into it, and ours is not even that big. I mean, it's just... It's a ridiculous amount of work with ticket sales and, and checking people in and just making sure everybody's happy and has a good time and is safe. It's a lot of work, so... It, I, I, I dread anniversary party <laughs> season. Once it's done, I'm happy, but, like, I get physically anxious about it thinking <laughs> about <bet>. it <laughs> it's a lot of work and it's so much can go wrong so quickly so yes. we just we hope everything goes well and everybody has a good time i think we should end up having about uh five releases for it oh jesus christ so i think one is an imperial stout and the rest are milkshakes and maybe a berliner smoothie yeah. and maybe one new milkshake i believe yep you guys getting into that fruited Berliner game or what? The overfruited, non, not just crazy. So we uh, do overfruited stuff, but uh, no offense to anyone else. We like ferment them before <laughs> well, we no, package them. That shouldn't, <laughs> that, should, that shouldn't offend anyone. That shouldn't offend anyone. Yeah, fermented. Uh, uh, we just want them. We just want them stable in a can. I mean, we don't want anyone to have a grenade in their cooler. You know. That's the the Fourth of July is for fireworks, not for beer. Grenade right in my cooler <laughs> right now. <laughs> I think we drank that one already. Yeah, no, no, there's so another. There's another there's one. A separate grenade. In there. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Should we explode it? Um. So uh, the rest <laughs> we got. Uh, we got the rest of the day here. So it's what three o'clock on a Monday. We we it's got here. We got here about what nine a.m. nine thirty a.m. Yeah, hey, that's right. Where, where, where where's the brew at right now? 
Uh, we are graining out and boiling, and we will be uh, doing our boiling-related activities soon. We'll probably add the lactose in the last few minutes of the boil, and then we'll go into the whirlpool, and we'll add some hops. There will be no hops in the boil, right? No, we won't. No, that, would be, that would boil. be offensive if you guys were to do something People like that. People do that? that? <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> The time we do it was in a, you, was in a, a pilsner. Yeah. Um, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> so I know who I am. She with you? It's like what? Yeah. Probably. All right. Just Red oh. car. Blue car. Just a nope. oh. random homeless person. Oh. Sweet. All right. So uh, and then we'll we'll go into the whirlpool. We'll put the hops in, and then we'll knock out into the fermenter and pitch some yeast, and then we'll. Well, that's all really boring. What, were, yeah. what, are, what are you guys going to be doing during this process? That's what I want. Drinking more beer. There it is. Drinking some of this beer, awesome yeah. water. Yeah. So what's the plan that's for you true. guys? That, that RO water is the shit. So what's the plan for you guys, uh, Windmill? Are you guys going back to Indiana tonight? Like how, how Some of us are. How, so some of us are. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying here in Savoy. What just happened? Champagne, Somebody actually. Just, Somebody just died. Okay. Did Zach break another glass? <laughs> that was the uh, fruit fly zapper. Nice. That was loud. Especially juicy one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it sounds like a good one. Hi. <laughs> Hi. That sounds like my neighborhood. I come here for the party. Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like Indiana on the 4th of July. Why, yeah. why does someone... You guys see a, a lady and you're like, oh, for yeah. you? Go across the street. Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> oh, I have the look of a man who orders women. <laughs> no, I just thought you got here dropped off by a woman. This oh, is your Uber I driver. Did. <laughs> did you take an Uber here? No. Okay. But you got dropped off I by a woman. A Uber. Yeah. Somebody a random. Yeah, who knows? Who knows how the hell Mikey got here? He sure doesn't. I've seen pictures on his Facebook about it. This is her. delicious. <laughs> It is, it is delicious. It's a less turbid version of, of okay. what they've been doing, I think, over it the last year. Reminds but me of this is less turbid. Yeah, berries and dreams a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yes, sweet tarts. Really enjoyed that one, by the way. Berries and, and dreams. Yes. Yeah, we need yes. to do that one again. Are we doing that one? Again? I love the I love <laughs> the lo- I love the location of where where I'm at at Crafted because it just. I get like all these people from Indiana on one side, and then the Illinois comes in too. So everybody brings your guys' beer in to taste out, and it's great. It's really and you should fucking see how many guys come in from our place from you. Yeah, I mean it's nice to have like the first, you know, you got open bottle and us right there, and so seven minutes apart. So everybody from Indiana can just roll over. Seven minutes. Of, see, I need to stop. Open bottle. Like, open bottle. Hailstorm. I'm uh, just afraid of the sound growler. <laughs> all of us are like <laughs> within seven minutes of everybody. Once the weed's legalized, you'll be over here, right? Yeah, no, dude. that's even worse. Still got to leave your gun in your car, yeah. though. You can't yeah. carry across can't straight lines. Get. Can't if I go get, like bro. 15 minutes outside of my house, I'm just like done for the day. <laughs> Give you anxiety? No. I think actually in the first podcast, I talk about that. Like basically everything. I live within mile and a half of here. I just don't leave. Savoy, yeah. So you I'm get a homebody, yeah. You get it, yeah. Oh, yeah. I come here, drink my beer, go home, go to sleep. Well, it's the worst. is like, you know, it, it, you start to make friends, and it's like, oh, man, I've got some time off today. I'm going to go visit my friend at his brewery. I'm like, no, you're just going to get, like, blackout drunk and, you know, take a $45 <laughs> Uber home. You're just going <laughs> to drink high life and pass out, so just... Let's not pretend. Probably yeah, Natterday. That, that was St. Louis, actually. Yeah. Stag. St. <laughs> Louis is a great place. Uh, Finally yeah. made it out there. <laughs> it was it was quite fun. So the rest of the day is going to be having I mean, those tacos. By the way, we should give a plug to the taco place. That's ben. called uh, Maze Maze here in Champaign Urbana. They are uh, the guys from originally like cooked in like Oaxacan style, and yeah, he makes some mean ass. 
They make their own. You saw he hit that. He yeah, hit that pretty good. They make their own tortilla. And I heard it. Like every vowel of that word. Yeah, they are really <laughs> for beer. Kicking, kicking butt over there. That shit so. was good. Yeah, May's Mexican Grill here in Champaign Urbana. I got two locations. I think Justin's lips are on fire from the habanero still. He's I like, can't oh, handle spice, but I was. <laughs> I eat it anyways. May's I pay for like it later. corn or May like the month. Uh, Maze, Maze like, like corn. corn. Okay. Yeah, right. and um, at their bigger location, they have Triptychon Draft all the time. No shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Go check it out. Have a dank meme with you. Dinner tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Dinner tonight. Boom. More, more tacos. And done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, when can we? See, we're gonna. Th- we're thinking around. We're gonna mid, late July for this one. Yeah. For, for this beer, and we'll uh, get this in cans, and we'll get try to get some up to craft it at least at right, minimum. Don't worry about me. This, this keep this, it cold though. Yeah, I'd no. say at least in a keg. <laughs> we finally July got cooler, and we got I, another one coming no, too. I we got another that. one coming. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I'm super thank God. Excited. Yeah. No, don't worry. All the tart and the yeah. dank meme is all yeah. is all in coolers With nowadays. Those exploding cans that explode on the shelf. This way, it'll at least delay the explosion. You know what? You know what exploded the other day that like shocked the shit out of me. Always room for dessert a coffee uh, gfy from spiteful oh. shotgun exploded like loud scary like right no. through the top of the the can just Bummer. like hardcore yeah yeah i'd never seen anything like it it was the loudest uh that they I've are heard. very loud when they go so we they had are. that happen once with one of our beers in the tap room we had to it goes yes dear we we move we very gingerly put them on a oh. on a cart yeah, and right. carted that them out of the amazing. tap room and they were exploding Whoops. while we were rolling oh, were them really? towards the dumpster. Yeah. Well, nice. I took them like That's why we don't use extract anymore. And we I had, was like throwing you know what? them out. We've had the worst luck with the raspberry extract. Uh, every time or we the use puree it. Or the puree. From sorry. Oregon. Every time we use it, we get exploding cans. Wait a minute. No, ma'am. Are you making that again? <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Fucking right. Dude, when's the last time you made that beer? Probably when you... We're that was a pink lemonade place. one. Yeah. I fucking yeah. love that beer. Oh, shit. That doesn't summer. have raspberry extract, does it? <laughs> no. That's okay. A, that was all fruit. That was a real Definitely raspberries from Michigan. Yeah. Again. It was so good. Yeah, th- that's the beer IQF, I tell people baby. About <laughs> Instant quality frozen. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad for whoever has to edit this episode. Like, <laughs> a, Dude, a there's, no, there's no edits. Throw a needle through this. There's no edits, man. This is no one wants to listen to 15 minutes of us pontificating about <laughs> light lager. We're like, you know, listen, if you really love light lager. Can we just at least like take out Oregon uh, when I said no, that? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. We're gonna you know what Almost know. Famous? We're like... Uh, we like Oregon. You know, his... his <laughs> Characters talking about the future of rock and roll and how you know rock and roll has just like hit the shitter. I feel like that's what we just spent like, the middle of this true. podcast. <laughs> like craft beer is hit the shitter. And I know. <laughs> I think you're, you're you're giving honest opinions. I you're think about what, I think Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. No, almost no, famous. Almost Cameron Crowe. Yeah. You know, like uh, you never seen that before. No, Hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with uh, Danza. with uh, Kate Hudson and that's Kate Hudson. There you go. That's what and uh, I think I'm thinking that's what of I was like looking to pick. ten years behind. What's or that something? guy's name who plays uh, Lester Bangs? Uh, you know the la- the rock writer who writes for Rolling Stone. That's what I'm God talking about. That's Jennifer Aniston in that. No, movie. it's Kate Hudson. Bullshit. It's Kate Hudson. Yeah, it's Kate Hudson. Yeah, you're talking you're talking about like that rock movie. star. Yeah, that yes. movie is terrible. Mark Wahlberg. About Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Steel oh, Steel yeah. Dragon or whatever. Oh, Steel oh, Dragon. No way. That's oh. terrible. Yeah, almost yeah. famous at least has some redeemable qualities. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh-huh. you're right. You're right. The kid from Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. See, correct. And they're uh with what Chicago? Who are they? No, it's supposed to be like Led Zeppelin, but it's a fake. No, it's not. It's no, it's a, a real called, band. No, Stillwater's not a real band, are they? Stillwater's a real band. Really? Yeah. Huh. There's, there's Green's Green's Clearwater, Clearwater Revival. <laughs> <laughs> Stillwater's yeah, in there. Ozzy Osbourne's in there. Stillwater's a real band. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. 
That's what they're supposed to be. Still I water. know that. And yeah. we all I learned something a, here today. I thought it was like an allegory for Led Zeppelin or something. No, Stillwater is the no, band. No, Stillwater is no, a real band. Like, Justin doesn't know anything about music. Mm-hmm. Which I don't. Only good music. Justin also <laughs> has a sweet-ass shirt on right now. That's true. It says, it's like the more you know. Truth. It says wild does not mean sour. <laughs> and the back of it it's says. the same thing. <laughs> what is some, hills, some hills you die on. Um, basically, might as well say John Laffler. That's it, our but, Laffler. But it's off color. It just says off color with the cute little mouse. Uh, well, thanks, guys, for letting me be part of your collab brew day down in Savoy, Illinois. Thanks we for bringing all these tasty beers. Once. Dude, I, I don't know. I just brought random beers. I, I always, I feel like there's, you know, I'm like, oh, God, they probably don't have anything from Chicago down in Savoy, so yeah, I might I as well bring some shit in case you want to market research yeah. or Lucky just get drunk. Lucky we beer at all down here. That's not true. <laughs> we just invented carbonation like six months That's ago. That's not true. <laughs> for yeah, refrigeration yet? Yeah, yeah, we just figured that out. We're just getting no. refrigeration. <laughs> what about the internet? Are yeah. you aware of this? Oh, we are. <laughs> Mostly okay. salted and cured We have uh, 56K. <laughs> 56K dial-up. ISDN? Yeah, and if you're really fancy, you can have two 56 six k's and you bind them together and you get 100 and bonded yeah, pair yeah extra, no extra k's you get extra k's yep right. you, you bond 24 k. of them you could have t1 oh man dude are you guys uh, going old school it nerd four, on each other right now is that happening right <laughs> <Yes>. now <laughs> we just we could go all day here. you better stop this that's hilarious it takes a while for the gifts to load can i copy <laughs> this recipe on a floppy disk yeah <laughs> did you bring a three Mike and a half or one three and a half or one point five one point five six they were, they were both like six. is that a three and a half one point five six three and a half or five and a quarter yeah what yes <laughs> i always say five and, and a quarter or my me. wife uh, insists it's three and a half so. <laughs> <laughs> floppier i see what he did there floppy or hard disk what what the well, A drive or the B drive? Oh, see, that's the real that's the real question. Why is it called a floppy and a hard disk? What, what is up with that? They both seem to be floppy <laughs> or very hard, but I don't know. Well, floppy isn't hard at all. FDD or HDD. And now we get SSD. Yeah, that's the solid state drive. I know that one. I know that <laughs> one. NVMe. That one I got. This has got solid state in it. It's nice. This has really taken a turn mm-hmm. for the... Yeah. Oh, no shit. You, you're, I hope this gets edited out. Turn for the you're not wrong. No. No, people like the fly-on-the-wall aspect. They like to hear all the stupid shit. Well, that, we didn't even bring the other two, and they've just been sitting there. So bad. <laughs> they've been standing. graining out. They, they've been hanging out. They're waiting yeah. for Josh to go... They're like, we're just going to grab uh, some rakes, do some things. Yeah, they're waiting for him to go dump the forklift. All right, fellers. Well, let's let's. Uh, Lie to what? There's Pete. There's Pete. See, Pete made an appearance. Goodbye, we got Pete. him on there. Peter Rush. Peter Rush. Another beautiful man. He's beautiful. He man. came up with uh, Pete's Wicked Ale. If you guys yes. don't know, him. <laughs> uh, and that's a fact. You can fact check it. He yeah, Google that. Hundred percent came up with Pete's Wicked Ale. Google that. The highest selling beer of all time. And now uh, he's working at Windmill. <laughs> St. Petey girls. <laughs> What's Zach's claim to fame? He broke a glass during... during <laughs> <laughs> he just broke a glass. That's what that's, he was here for. That's, that's, pretty, that's his calling pretty card. Standard. <laughs> We're lucky it was just one. Yeah. He uh, spilled yet. somehow an entire crowler on my shirt a couple what? months ago. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, how did you get all 32 ounces on me? Uh, we were drinking them because we ran out of glasses. So, Well, obviously that's yeah. the move. When yep. he breaks them all, of course. <laughs> the real issue is why? Why wasn't he shotgunning it? Why, why no, there's why no lid on it. Uh, yeah, it's a it was a milkshake IPA. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have died. That we did shotgun that 13% stout, which Ew. was horrible. That was no. Yeah, that it was, was great, good. and then it 
It was horrible. That was a bad day. What stout yeah. was that? Nuts and jolts. Oh, they have sure guys. So, so it's yeah. like uh, <laughs> just blasting coffee into your veins too. So that was not good. Did you have a bunch of good ideas that day? Or? No, I had Dude, a bunch of really good listen. shits that day. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, I have so many good ideas right now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's roll. Let's get out of here. Thank you guys. Seriously, it was awesome. Well, thank you. I can't wait to Thanks can't wait us. to get the beer out to the people here. It's gonna be awesome. So maybe late late July then, when they can expect to see this. In cans, too, yeah, I'm guessing. Yep. Uh, around our anniversary party, Definitely July 27th. In cans. So yep. you guys have kegs, too, in the tap room once the anniversary party's done and all that, We have too. to figure you out the legalities of that. Yeah. Undisclosedly, yeah. maybe. No, because we will Indiana, not. because well. Illinois. Okay. It'll be yeah. at the anniversary party, but not in our tap room. But not, okay. Yeah. Exactly. All right, guys, thanks. Peanuts. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>